Hey everyone, welcome back to Good and Johnny Moe at the Movies. We are going with episode 22 tonight. 22. As Johnny Moe would say. Uh, and tonight we are doing Once Upon a Time dot dot dot, dot in, in Hollywood. Hollywood. Uh, Quentin, Tarantino, Quentin Tarantino's ninth directorial film. Uh, we saw this earlier this week. We are finally getting to do the review tonight, and we are going to share it with you right now. Uh, be prepared. This has spoilers in it. Super duper spoilers. We are going to be doing it all over this video. Uh, so with that, we're going to do our little introduction. Yep. Uh, so, Johnny Mo, you started off. What are you drinking? I am drinking Imperial, which is the Cerveza de Costa Rica, which apparently is... The pride of Costa Rican beer since 1924. I've never had it before. It's not that bad. How can you go wrong? Uh, tonight I am going with Shafly. Their pumpkin ale. My uh, beer distributor had pumpkin ale right now. It's the August 2nd. Uh, I love pumpkin pumpkin ale beer. So the fact that this was out already, I was picking this up right away. I hate pumpkin ale beer. So I'm glad Chris is drinking it and I'm not. Yeah, he's not lying about that. Uh, I love it. This does not have the cinnamon sugar rim, which I'm going to admit, I actually enjoy that. I will do that myself on occasion, but there's not tonight for this video. So uh, I think with that, we're going to say cheers. Cheers. The one th shout out that I want to get tonight is all of our podcast listeners. So yes, Goody and Johnny Mo at the Movies is on podcast. Right Whatever now. that means. So <laughs> we, are, we are introducing that to Johnny Mo. Uh, telling him all about what podcast means. Uh, but we are finally not only doing this via YouTube, but we are also doing this on our podcast stream. You can find us all over the place right now. Um, on Spotify, whatever that is. <laughs> so we are on Spotify. We are on iTunes, iTunes. Podcast. We are on Google Play. We are on uh, Anchor. We are on uh, Radio Public. There's a few other channels which we are on, but if, as long as you're you're looking, you know, if you do a podcast right now, if you have an app that you like to use, look us up. Most likely we are on there right now. We did this over the last week. All of our current episodes are up there. So if you like just listening to podcasts or listening to our episodes and you don't want to actually watch us, mm -hmm. by all means, go back. We have all of our episodes uh, uploaded, ready to go. We hope you guys check us out. We're great for when you're driving on a long road trip. Absolutely yeah, great for if you're doing a, you know your morning jog and you got your headphones on all that good stuff. Um, we're good anytime. We're good at any time. You know, stop us, start us whenever you like in the gym, wherever you feel it's necessary. Uh, we just hope we bring some interesting content with you guys. We really just want to share a drink, share our passion and enthusiasm of movies with you guys. Uh, that's why we like to do this every single week. We don't know how many people we have following us. But we do know that we enjoy doing this every movie that we actually review. Absolutely. Um, so I think with that, we yeah. are going to get started. And I can tell you right now, I got a lot to say about this movie. So Johnny Moe has seen this twice. He I've had, seen it twice already. He so had to see it with his wife, and then he saw it with me. I will be starting with an Imperial, but by the time I'm done, I think I'll be ending with a Guinness. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully we will do this all in one shot and won't have to do a cut. Oh, man. This could, this could <laughs> easily be a kill, a kill Bill Part 1, Part 2. There's too much for one episode. So I think with that, we're going to do a cheers. Not cheers. only to you and me for Episode 22. Episode uh, 22. But to our new podcast listeners, we really hope you guys enjoy this. Uh, as well as our YouTube viewers, guys, please, as always, uh, follow, watch, and enjoy. Watch, enjoy. 
comment. Let us know what you guys think. Uh, what did you think of the movie? We always want to know. Um, so with that, I'm going to actually turn this over to Johnny Moe since he's had two viewings of this. Oh my goodness. I don't even know where to begin with this. Okay, so I'm going to finish this part. I'm going to finish this viewing and I'm going to, I'm going to forget half the things I want to say. There's so much to talk about. But <laughs> let's start with this. For the record, I, I actually didn't really know about this movie too much coming out. I, I think I have yet to see a commercial on TV for this movie. And I don't know why. Because not for nothing, Quentin Tarantino is a pretty big name. But not to mention, you actually don't watch a lot of TV. I, I do kind of, though. No. But I do see commercials. Like, like I, I just, What do you watch on TV right now, summertime? Uh, maybe. Fear the Lord. America's Got Talent. America's Got Talent. Okay. Okay, so out of all the channels and all the nights that there's... TV going on. You watch one. Yeah, show. but I usually am aware of films coming out, at least ones that are like kind of high profile big names. I had no idea this Tarantino film was coming out. Didn't really know about it until maybe a week before I saw it. And then it was like, oh, Quentin Tarantino's ninth film. Okay, let's check it out. Um, and Newsday, now I think it's actually getting I wanna I think it's getting mixed reviews. I like some. I think some people are really giving it really good reviews, and I think some people aren't. And even from word of mouth, what I've seen, I definitely know people that have seen this movie and didn't like it at all. And I'll be honest with you, I don't know that this movie is for everyone. But that is not the movie's fault. It's the fault, I think, of. It's not even really the fault of the moviegoer. It is the fault of Hollywood, because Hollywood for the for a number of decades has been producing product instead of art. And so when a, a movie comes out that is really an, an artistic triumph, um, that isn't just like an art house film that nobody ever heard of from somebody that nobody ever made. You know, these sometimes these gems come out and the general public can't attach to it because they're so used to the garbage that comes out all the time. You know, it's they're just their expectations. Well, I think also Quentin Tarantino, his films over the years, his other eight films that he's released. I, in my experience, I have seen people's take on it as a almost a love it, hate it type of oh, film. Oh yeah, and like, some of his not, films you could actually act very much love or hate. I mean, I, there are people that hate Pulp Fiction. There's, I, which I is really say, I really think that with with when you're talking about Quentin Tarantino, when you're talking about his films that are out there. I don't really know how much of a middle ground there is. I think for people, that's either you really you love the film or you didn't really like the film, and that's it. I, I I have yet to really talk to someone who was very lukewarm with Pulp Fiction. Yeah, the majority of you uh, the majority of people I've I've talked to enjoy Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction is my favorite Quentin Tarantino film. Still is mine too. Even after this view, and I think it's his best, and I think it's his greatest. Yeah, absolutely. And it's my favorite. Those are three completely different things. And I still think that's one of the best films in the last 25 years. Oh, I consider... Uh, Pulp Fiction was 94, right? 94, I believe. So uh, you're talking 25 years old. Yeah. That is I would one say, of the best films I would the say 25 the years. entire decade of the 90s, which I actually am a big fan of, I think the two single greatest films that come out of the 90s are Pulp Fiction and Schindler's List. Those yeah, two radically different films. Ooh, Spielberg. Well, you know I love Spielberg, so I can't really yeah. argue with you I mean, on that. Schindler's List is a masterpiece. Pulp yeah. Fiction is a completely different type of masterpiece. But it's just, but that's what Quentin Tarantino brings. He brings a different 
view than what we're used to. Yeah. And it's much, you know, whether you love it or hate it, he brings a much more artistic style to filming than what we uh, see on a more frequent basis. Well, uh, well, you know what it is? It, okay, so the thing, the, and this is, this, is, this is the crux of the argument. Tarantino is an artist. He is not, he is creating art. He is not pre- creating product. And, you know, you may or may not like his art. Yeah. And I can tell you right now, his films are not all the same. With, you know, this film is actually very, very different in style from some of the other films he's done yeah. in the past. But, and well, I'll get into more into that later. You know, you know, back in the day, most, there were a lot of filmmakers who were artists and brought their artistry to their film. And if you had 10 of these different guys making the same film, they would be 10 completely different films because they would bring how they would do it. Whereas today, for the most part, 10 people making the same same film, it's probably pretty close to the same film, all 10 of them. And chances are, it's not that good anyway. Because when you're creating product, you know, everybody, you know, it's like, you know, 10 people that just know how to make a table making a table. They're going to come out, they're all, it's all going to look like the same table. You know, but if you have a, a, a master carpenter or, a, you know, making classic work, you know, these are completely different types of work. And with well, film, it's even more so. The one thing I've really noticed about Tarantino is that he really enjoys nostalgia from his time period yeah and this he, movie he does moves, that much this, more so this movie does a lot of that so this movie's based on based in the late 60s it's it, around the entire film takes place in 1969 right and with a, a couple of flashback scenes that occurred a little earlier and it's it's basically all around the the death of uh sharon tate who was a film actress who was course killed by the Manson family Manson family or the Manson cults yeah, and this is the funny thing because it's it's about that but in a round but it's not right it's peripherally about that it's very similar okay if you saw Inglorious Bastards it's something similar to that where Glorious Bastards took place around World War II with Hitler but as you saw at the end of Inglorious Bastards Total alternative, alternative reality, take on alternative reality. Killing Hitler in the theater, right, is is very similar to what this movie did. This movie, it takes place. It's basically characters that somehow were around the Sharon Tate well, character. It's basically two new characters, fictitious, in, fictitious, fictitious characters, embedded in. In 1969. Right. Embedded, embedded that, in real history. Right. That actually created their placement in the film lends to a different a different outcome. An alternate reality. Right. And, it, and, it, and, you know, the whole thing, once upon a time in Hollywood, you know, it is like, you know, kind of like a fairy tale. Right. And this is it is it is a fairy tale ending, so to speak. It's an, it's an alternate ending. But I think it does a really good job of showcasing that time frame where you're talking about westerns and well every big that was in hollywood and that was just such a well that was such a staple it's taking all of 1969 it is actually the whole the entire purpose of this movie 
the music, recreate the, the look of actual the feel. Yes, of nineteen sixty nine. Of like it old. Is, it is an it is an homage to Hollywood in the late sixties, which is very different from Hollywood in the early sixties and even now forties and and absolutely now. Yeah, you know, it's 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 trying to recreate the feel of that time period, and I think that is what makes the film maybe a beyond certain people's grasp. Because if you have no knowledge of that time period, or of the films of that time period, or the climate of that time period, you know, you're you're not gonna get the feel. You're not gonna get the references, you're not gonna get the nostalgia. And you know, and that's that's sad in a way because it's 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 not that long ago. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, and, and not for nothing, I was born in 1968. I wasn't around. I was one years old in 1969. But, you know, I have a, my feel and, and love of movies goes back, way back. And so I know, like, all these films from that time. But you know, the, like, and I, I read a lot of, you know, Hollywood books. Yeah. And stuff. So I, like, I understand the climate and what was going on and the history of film, where the history of film was in 1960. But I also say, too, like, listen, I was born 12 years later, okay? I was born in 1981. So most of my knowledge comes from films probably somewhere in the 70, mid-70s to present day. Uh, anything early 70s, especially into the 60s and beforehand, not as much. Um, but I definitely appreciated this film because of I knew how important, when talking about DiCaprio's mm -hmm. uh, uh, character, how important Westerns were. And that was such a, a, you know, that's like, to me, that's like what superhero films are now. That's mm -hmm. what Westerns were then. Right. That's kind of how I pictured the, the era. Like that, like they were such a, a big part of film and cinema to a degree. Yeah, I mean, but... Uh, and they were branching that. So DiCaprio, I mean, but that was... I mean, DiCaprio, is a, he's an actor. He's a TV star, and he was starring right. in a Western TV show and then managed to get into a Spaghetti Western movie. In a Italian... Well, spaghetti, well spaghetti spaghetti, is that what, is that how they they termed it the spaghetti, yeah, spaghetti western, western which was which, yeah. which was Italian spaghetti western was an Italian okay. western all right so and we'll get into more into that later there's, there's so many layers to this movie so like he, right and the the one thing that I told um, that I spoke to John about with this film is I felt it was very interesting the dichotomy between Sharon Tate and Leonardo DiCaprio's DiCaprio's character where DiCaprio was this older actor on almost like his way down like he's a veteran actor who's been around for a while i mean veteran but not old veteran but not old but like he's not getting picked up for these big huge roles yeah he's, he's only he's getting getting older he's getting older so he's only really getting picked up for like name recognition only yeah and not for anything more than that mm -hmm. And Pacino, Al Pacino, who makes a, he has a small role in this film. He articulates this in the beginning of the film when he talks to DiCaprio and hits it right on the head. Yeah. And I think that's, and I think that gets in DiCaprio's head, his character's head, and and finally grasps, I'm a, I'm a has been. And, that, and afterwards, he says that to Brad Pitt's character. He's like, I'm, I'm a has-been. Um, even though that might not be the case, but it's, it's, it's just how Pacino presented that to him. Mm -hmm. And now you're talking about... Now you look at Sharon Tate's look, and I love 
Margot Robbie in this. Oh yeah, yeah. She I if there was one thing I wanted more out of this film, it was more Margot Robbie. Well, she was not given enough of a part in this film. You know what? Yes and no. Because the the you know what it is? The film assumes that you know what happens to Sharon. Kent. Yes. Um, so she's there, and these two parallel stories are happening uh, and that, that come it. together at the end. That's exactly right. You know, and that and it's and the story, you know, a, you know the the you know you can say like, oh, this is you know how these guys made a different ending to what happened to Sharon Tate. Sharon Tate, but the movie is not a the, no. The, it's the, Sharon the Tate's a movie, yeah. Sharon it's Tate about is, these two guys. It's about Leo and it's about Brad Pitt's characters. It's about this this mm-hmm. this actor who's on the the down the, you know his downfall of his career or the, the decline of his career, along with his stuntman Brad Pitt. Yeah, and uh, Margot Robbie playing Sharon Tate right. is more of a subplot. Yeah, because that's the reality of yeah. the time. It's the, it's, yeah. her. it's the culmination of the film, but the movie is about them. Right, and that's the beauty of how this movie is woven together. Because if you know, you get totally into, you know, DiCaprio's and Pitt's characters, yes. and their story, and what's going on with them, which is great. And then at the end, it ties into reality. The what happened? You know Sharon Tate's fate and yeah. and the change that had occurred in this almost like fairy tale rendition yes. of the time period, which I, I mean, which was genius. It was, it was very well done. Yeah, because because Sharon Tate was just woven in in parallel. Right, and it was basically like it, it was almost like the, basically Tarantino wanted to write a story around Sharon, the story of Shannon, Sharon Tate. Yeah, but didn't. But it was almost like a what if. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's and basically it, what this is. Yeah. It's it's a what. what that's if. why this whole thing of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, it's a fairy tale of you are following these two guys. You're following Brad Pitt and you're following Leonardo DiCaprio, and what's going on in their life. And somehow Sharon Tate's like on the outskirts of this, and you keep seeing glimpses of her and glimpses yeah. of her and until they finally connect. Yeah. At, at the, the end. end. But it's it, the outcome is totally different than reality. Yeah. But you're like, that that would have been such a great and it, like it's it's very similar. That's why I said before about a glorious bastards, because of how they destroy the theater and they kill Hitler yeah. in the theater. Like it's a happy ending. This it's a, yeah. This, this movie is actually a beautiful and poetic ending because. Um, you know, because I mean, literally, there are people that really have no idea who Sharon Tate is, and I can be honest with that. I know who Sharon Tate is, but I didn't know everything about her. I only had seen a couple. Of I movies. only know her because of the Manson killings, right? And there are people that don't. And you know, I can tell right now, like there are people, you know, going to the movies today that have no freaking idea about any of that, and they're just watching this, going, like, I don't even. They don't even get what this movie is about, right? And I think there's enough people out there where that's where I think a lot of the, you know, the the negative. Um, feedback is coming from because they just they just don't get it and it's like you know what Quentin Tarantino isn't making a movie for the people that know nothing about movies know nothing about the history of Hollywood and go to the movies to see garbage like he's making it for yeah he's making it for cinema well I think some of the I wonder if some of the negative feedback is because of the fact that 
is he cheapening Sharon Tate's death by skirting around it? No, I don't think so at all. I don't. I, I don't even know that he. No, it's 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 really an homage to her, because because basically what happened is, um, in reality, is the Manson family got orders from Charles Manson to kill the people living, living in, in that house, house right. and they actually had nothing against Sharon Tate or right. anybody. It, it was just the fact that, that, they, that they were living in that house. The, Charles Manson uh, had associations with the former people that lived in that house. Right. And for whatever reason, it irked him that those people weren't there. And, he, and uh, for whatever reason, he, asked, you know, he ordered a hit you know, right. on those people. You know, I don't even know if he really knew or cared who was in that house. And it, but it just so happened to be... Sharon Tate, Tate and Roman Polanski. Roman Polanski right. wasn't Pol there. Polanski Plans was filming over in Europe somewhere. Yeah, he wasn't there at the time. Sharon, Sharon Tate was Tate. pregnant, Sharon and Tate she was, was actually um, an up-and-coming uh, film star who was yeah. absolutely beautiful and had starred in a bunch of films um, with A-list celebrities at the time. Sure, Dean Martin. Yeah, and right. well, he, well, yeah, there was a Dean Martin and the Wrecking Crew, yeah. and a bunch and that's, of other films. And that's the movie that's showcased in in, in the Quentin yeah. Tarantino's film. Um, there's a scene, you know, in the trailers, you can see this, where uh, Sharon Tate's basically, or Margot Robbie's, outside the, uh, the marquee, saying, oh, I'm in this movie, and... They kind of like at first, like the the girl at the ticket counter doesn't really recognize who it is, and then mm -hmm. she brings over one of the attendants, and he's like, "Oh, you're in this?" He's like, "Oh, please, you know, come on in," and they 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 take a picture of her near the movie poster. Mm -hmm. Now I wanted to look up because I'm wondering if on the if internet that actually is a real if, if that's a real picture, and it very well could be because it, the the way that the scene took place, it was almost like the the progression of it. Like she was going to take a picture with the attendant. And she had uh, like a bag in her hand because she was shopping in the area. Mm -hmm. And then that all changed. And like, oh, how about you take a picture over by the, the poster so we know who you are. And she does like a pose. And she does a certain pose, almost like a Charlie's Angels pose. Yeah. And they, they take a picture of it. The only reason why I think they would put that in the film it's is because... there actually is a real picture. It's a real picture. And, I, like and I'll be honest with you, it would not surprise me one bit because I actually wound up... Uh, reading up on Sharon Tate a little bit after this, watching this film, just to see um, how much of this movie was pulled into from real facts. From reality. Was, there was a lot pulled yeah. in that I didn't realize was pulled in. But 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 so anyway, going back to how Sharon Tate ends up is ultimately the Manson family, a couple of members of the Manson family, go to the house and they kill everybody in the house. Yeah, you know, and, and it's, it's actually and it's, very brutal and violent. You know, there was you know multiple like stabbings. stab wounds yeah. and. You know they were they like you know kind of like tied them together with ropes right? and choking yeah. and things like that you know very brutal and violent yep. and when that happened you know it was a huge shock in Hollywood because it was like it was a really well, was, brutal was killing movie stars. to someone these, were, these, these movies were people, yeah. and they didn't know who did it for quite a while you know it wasn't like they were anybody was caught nobody was caught you know right away uh, but the Manson family were involved in a number of other killings. And eventually they got caught. And through whatever, either questioning or whatever, there was a break in the case, I think, you know, a number of months later. And finally, the, that murder they was were the ones. They were the ones. Yeah. But, you know, it really kind of shook Hollywood. And, and if you read about it, it's almost like, you know, 
it kind of like, you know, it it, it had an impact on on just the whole field on society. of society, you know, the, the movie society. Yeah. You know, it was really devastating. And, you know, some people say, like, you know, it, it, it killed, you know, Hollywood in the late 60s. You know, and this movie is like, you know, you know, aside from trying to just recreate um, the feel of that time period, which is which it does throughout the entire film. It, all the look of it. It's unbelievable. Incredible. You know, it was also like this, like, again, this alternate reality ending where it's like, you know, like, you know what? You know, it if this didn't happen, you know, and right. and, it, and it gave, and it actually gave um, a nice ending, not just the fact that Sharon Tate didn't die, but it it, it, it tied into the fate of Leonardo DiCaprio's character. You I know, mean, like, like it was, like it was a happy ending for him. So John and I get out of the film, right, the other night, and we, we're, we're coming back to the house, and this is, now John has seen this now twice, the second time, and, and I can see it again, and, and he's, he basically asked me the question, who do you think was better, Brad Pitt or Leonardo DiCaprio? I don't have an answer to that because they were both oh, great, so good in their roles. But they were, they're, 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 different, they're roles. different roles. They're different roles completely. But they're both. Yeah. So this might be one of Brad Pitt's top roles. Oh yeah. Of oh yeah. His entire acting yeah. career. I mean, I can tell you right now, if if like this I mean, movie Benjamin better get a lot of Academy Award nominations. I mean, I understand. I understand his. You know, when you talk about Academy Award esque uh, possibilities for Brad Pitt, you know, Benjamin Button comes into play. Well, I think he actually won for Twelve Monkeys. Okay. I think he Brad Pitt won supporting actor. For supporting, right? For, for 12 Monkeys. That's yeah. Okay, 12 Monkeys. Another great movie. But a fantastic film. Um, Thelma and Louise, he was in that He movie. was in supporting. that? I don't know if he was nominated. I don't, I don't think he was, was. I think he was nominated. But again, like, for like a, like an, almost like an introduction role. Yeah. I mean, this Not really big. is a, def this is But a, this was a, this is a top-notch Unbelievable role. role for him. Yeah. Like, I he thought was he great. was great. Leo has... Leonardo DiCaprio has really defined himself as one of the better actors of the last yeah. 15, 20 years. He's really good. And he's great in this. He is so good in this movie. Um, it was really hard to... I don't think I can really differentiate. Like, I've really been thinking about this. I don't know if I can differentiate who I thought was better. Both of them were excellent from start to finish. There were little, like... Um, I'm not going to say Easter eggs, but there was foreshadowing done in this film that I picked up with mm -hmm. John. Uh, there's a, a scene very early on in the film with Leonardo DiCaprio's shed, and you see a flamethrower that ties back to uh, a Nazi film that he ended up doing. And that flamethrower comes in at the end of the film yeah. when... So basically, when the oh don't don't get to the end. Of the okay, film. we're not going to get to the end of yeah. that film, but it's, it was basically foreshadowed. And, so and I and I and I basically leaned over to John. I'm like. Did you did you see the was that the flamethrower from the film? Yeah, and I'll be and this was the first like 40, yeah. 30 to forty minutes into the film you see this thing and I'm like you saw that right and and then he's like oh yeah 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 and I'll be honest with you I didn't see it the first time I saw the film but I noticed it the second time and then I noticed it I said oh there's the flamethrower 
Yeah. Because I know it plays in later. So we're going to talk about that. But, but, Chris, but Chris noticed and he goes, he goes, is that the flamethrower? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> but, I, but I answered him like, like I, I remembered from the first film, but I didn't. So, and that's, and that's when I think one of the great things about Tarantino is that a lot of these things are in the background. Yes. But you got to pay attention to see them. Tarantino has a very particular way about tying things in, yeah. not only within the film, but um, if I can say like Quentin's universe, his his film universe, mm -hmm. because there were multiple nods to other films of oh his. Oh my god! In and I this and, I, film. and I guarantee you, I probably don't even. Oh, I think I, I know I missed some as well. I, I, I know that. But yeah. you caught some. I know I caught yeah. some. Um, I love the fact. I mean, let's go through some of them. Okay, let's go so through that. Like, because uh, I can tell right now, I could talk. There's so much to talk about. So let's this first film. of all, let's just talk about the cameos. Yeah, okay. the cameos. So Michael, Michael Madsen is in this film. He plays. Um, he's a he's an, a, act, an extra. He's an actor in Bounty Law. In Bounty Law, which is the right. show that you know. And Michael Madsen is you know the the. The main one of the main one of the characters of Reservoir, Reservoir Dogs, and he's a sicko who cuts the guy's ear off. And Kill Bill Volume One too. See, I never saw Volume Two, and I don't. I only saw Volume. Well, one Volume One, he's not really in. He's in like a, I think like towards the end. But Volume Two, he's in yeah. quite a bit. So, and not but nothing, there is a uh, there's a there's a there's a person with the last name Madsen that's part of the Manson family. So I, I would have a hard time believing that oh, it's that not Michael Madsen's son. Uh, I think it was a, it was a, it was a male, like, you know, and then and you told me, Uma Thurman is one of the Manson family. Uma Thurman, that I Ethan Hawke's daughter, who was most recently the the only reason why I recognized her was because I saw her in Stranger Things, the, the third season that just came out on Netflix. She's in this film. She was only in the really at the, at the very end is when I noticed her um, as one of the people that kind of like ran away she didn't end up going through with the attempted killings oh she's the, film. The who, she's the one who left she's the yeah. one who escaped in the car yeah but that's Uma Thurman's daughter I was like okay that's kind of cool you know he you know Quentin Tito has a relationship with Uma Thurman from Kill Bill, Bill volume Bill. one and two obviously mm -hmm. uh and uh Pulp Fiction and then puts her daughter in this film I thought that was awesome yeah and then during the credit rolls we see that Rumor Willis is in this film. And Rumor Willis, of course, is Bruce Willis's daughter, who, of course, was in Pulp Fiction. Right. Uh, so you're having actors from 20-plus years ago mm -hmm. that their kids are now in his film. Which is great. I thought that was awesome. Yeah. Uh, Tim Roth had a... Tim Roth Apparently is credited. Tim Roth hasn't had a... But well, his, his scene was cut. And even says that in the credits. Yeah. You know... Because Tim Roth, cut, cut. Which is unfortunate because I think yeah. Tim Roth is a great actor. This is why you stay and watch the credits. And watch the credits. Because the credits yeah. are very interesting. For, I, for a good movie, the credits are very interesting. The only thing I do not I do not recall, and because you saw it twice, I'm going to ask you, did you see Quentin Tarantino in this film? I don't recall. Unless I, he's in makeup. I do not and recall. I, and I missed it. Because usually he's got a small role or something in the film. Yeah, I do I, not recall him. In the I film. don't recall him in the film. I didn't see him. I don't remember seeing his name in the credits, but I, I, I could have missed it. You know what? And um, another omission, I think, is I, I don't think there was any... I was actually, you know, kind of glad that Samuel L. Jackson was not in this film. In oh, capacity. I kind of wanted him in the film because, a little bit. Because I think he would have brought too much attention to himself. 
Even just even like in a, a even in a oh, uh, no. voiceover. No, a throwaway. Yeah, I mean it would have been quick. Would it would have well, been quick. And the voiceover for this film was Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell, which who, I thought was good. Who was who was recently in The Hateful Eight, which yeah. I haven't seen. I have not seen The Hateful Eight. I know I keep being told I have to see that movie. I've seen it. It's okay. That's what I have heard. That is the assumption, uh, or not the assumption. That's, that's kind of like how I feel about like Samuel. Like, like I mean, to me, like Samuel Jackson is, you know, you know, he's good, but he he pull he pulls too much attention to himself. You know, and that's just the way he is. Like, yeah, he's that enig- enig- en- enigmatic, enigmatic, and it's like you didn't want that in this movie. Like, so I was kind of glad he wasn't there because I think he would have. I think I think his presence oh, like, would have detracted. I wish I wish they could have found like a simple small role for him. I wish I wish, but I mean other things they did. Um, uh, the the uh, they brought back the cigarettes that um, red 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 apples red apples, which is um, that's the cigarette that uh, Bruce, Willis, Bruce smokes. Willis smokes. You know when he shows up at the bar relatively early uh, in Pulp Fiction, he goes to the bartender and says, you know, hey, you know, um, yeah. pack, pack of red apples. You know, and which I, I'm pretty sure is a completely fictitious. Cigarette. Oh, I don't think that exists. It, it, I don't smoke, but I think yeah, I don't think it. Exists. I don't. I asked my wife, and she she never <laughs> heard of it. And I'm like, and, Listen, and, and that's what Tarantino it, does. Tarantino like just creates stuff these that doesn't that, exist. You know, like Big Kahuna Burger and oh, Jack Rabbit Flint. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. he's like. You know, these are just things that he just throws Listen, in, these, and it's like they're most, just there. To the average moviegoer, this is going to be something that you're going to miss. It's going to go over your head. And guess what? That's okay. But to the people that, that pay attention to the details, yeah. that have knowledge of other previous films, it's kind of cool to see some of this stuff thrown in a little bit as, if you want to call it an Easter egg, um, to acknowledge some of the other films that Tarantino has done because he has created his a own world. Body of work. And a body own, of yeah, work. You know, and, a, and, and, and I, I got a kick out of some of that stuff. I really did. You know, Especially seeing some of these other uh, actors that had done previous roles for him. That had, I mean, these were like basic, like small little cameos that he had in there. I mean, I, I, I granted, there are probably people that have seen Pulp Fiction and are sitting there going like, how the hell does he remember what cigarettes Bruce Willis was smoking? <laughs> you know who remembers? But like, but like you know, if 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 you're in tune, if you pay attention to film and right. you, and you remember and you you understand there's small that details. there's you know that there's a director Quentin Tarantino who has a body of work and you kind of put all those movies together and yeah. you can draw you can make the connections. You know, it requires you to be an active watcher of film yeah. and not a passive you know just sitting there Listen, and it's watching and not even you're not even watching you're just there it's okay if you don't see these things and you don't you know you're not picking up on these things on those first watches because guess what that happens to us all the time yeah. and sometimes we need people to point that out to us and say hey did you see this did you catch this and then you're like, oh my God, that's great. You know, like all of a sudden, like when and you finally, when someone points it out to you or you finally see it, you think that's awesome. Right. Like, and that's I mean, a great those type, That level of detail adds to the enjoyment. Absolutely. And, and so many films don't even have anything like that. Like people just get used to that. And that's, I think, the shame is like, you know, 
Like, going to the movies doesn't have to just be mindless nonsense. You know, it is, it is an enjoyable, like self, self-referential experience. Tarantino's films are individual. They're not tied together. It's not a, a shared universe or no. anything like that. But when he does stuff that ties into some of his other films... To me, that's enjoyable. It adds flexure. It, it adds it, flavor and texture and layers. And it's it's just to the fact of like, okay, I, I'm attributing this to to the director, yeah. to the guy that's yeah. putting it's, this all together. Yeah. It's his it's story. Definitely an attribute. It's yes, it's a to to him. Yeah. Um, I mean, the uh, the other thing that they brought in, which I you know, and I can tell right now, I guarantee you, somebody's got a list out there of all of the no, freaking references. No, there are things that you and, and I, I absolutely missed. have missed. Them. There are things that you and I, but missed. I caught, but I caught enough of them to enjoy the movie immensely. Yeah. And knowing full well that I guarantee you, I didn't catch everything absolutely. because there's a they, they make a they make a reference, and, so, and you just got to remember these things. But they make a reference to um, when they talk about is it. What's, is it Bill Dalton? What's, his, what's Dalton's? Uh, Leonardo, Rex? Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio's name in the movie. Dalton. Dalton. Uh, it's something Dalton. I forget. Rick Dalton. Rick, Dal- Rick Dalton? I think it's Rick Dalton. Rick. We're just going to say Dalton because if I'm wrong, I'm an idiot. <laughs> Mr. Dalton. <laughs> See, this is why so, I wanted to have yeah. the names written out. There's, two, there's a lot of people in this movie. There's a lot so, of characters. So Leonardo, when they talk about Leonardo DiCaprio's... Uh, Foray into spaghetti westerns, which I mean, there's more to talk about that later. Um, they mentioned what about now? They mentioned like uh, the number, all the different films he made. Yes. And when well, TV series. No, no, no. Well, he spaghetti did. westerns as movies. Well, that was later on, but his earlier career no, was no. in television. Well, yeah, no, but so later he was doing spaghetti westerns, um, and the the last movie that they mentioned that he made, they talk about was being directed by oh, the director. Yeah, okay. by. Um, um, Antonio Margarita. Margarita, yeah. And that's the name of one of the Inglorious Bastards when they go to the movie premiere, you know. Um, you have one in, of the Americans uh, that, are, you know, that under, are undercover. Undercover. Yeah. You know, they, they're going there under the uh, under the guise of being Italian Again, filmmakers. This is and this is all about the connections between yeah. the films and and what Tarantino. And one of those cat, one of the cat three guys, it's Brad Pitt and two other guys. One of those guys. You know, and to, uh, yeah, you know, plays covered cover name yeah. is Antonio Margarita. He's yeah. an Italian filmmaker. It's comes to capacity, you know. But and it's like, you, I'm sitting there, and I'm like, I'm like, seeing like, Glorious oh. Bastards, you might not get I'm like that. that's the name. Even of if you saw you know, Inglorious Bastards, you might not have caught that. Film. Yeah, you might but not I have caught, caught that little you know, bit. You know, and, and, and that doesn't make the movie a four star movie. No, that just you know, it just. It's just enjoyable. It just adds. It makes it makes it a little more enjoyable. He's specifically putting the things in there. And it's like, and and they're not, you know what it is? They're not drawing attention to themselves. You know? In no, that, it's just, in, it's just out know, there. In that sequence, he mentioned like 15 different people's names. And one of them was that name. And you sit there and go, oh, that's the name from Google. Yeah, right? it's like, oh, I, got, know, I get you know, that. Right? I got know, that reference. It's, you know, he weaves it into the story yes. seamlessly. Whether you know the, whether you recognize that name from a previous right. movie or not, the, the act of mentioning that name is not superfluous. It, it means something in the story. Listen, That's the director of the last spaghetti western that he was in. Listen, Whatever. When, when it's put into the film, if you're not in the know and you don't recognize it, it doesn't detract from the exactly. film. Exactly. It doesn't detract it's not like from saying, the scene. Why did they even mention that guy's name? No, it's like, oh, right. whoever. Exactly. You know, God, 
You know, the other 14 names, those might be references from 14 other places I didn't get. Who knows? Right. You no, know, you I, don't know. I, exactly. But um, but it, it, it's just, uh, there was just so many good things. Quentin Tarantino, if he does one thing very, very well, it's the way he writes dialogue. He writes characters so well and how these people on screen communicate to one another. Yeah, and, and I'll be honest with you. So I think in this movie, there are a lot of Quentin Tarantino movies that have these long scenes with dialogue. Sometimes yeah. it throws people off, but I kind of like that. Yeah. Because no, nobody does I mean, it. He does it right. But I think Pulp Fiction is one of the best examples of that. Yeah. Because there are so many instances where you have those long Dialogue. dialogues. Even in Inglorious Bastards. In Inglorious yeah. Bastards, Absolutely. when Christoph Waltz was talking Crystal with the Waltz. guy in the farmhouse, yep. and then also when uh, he's talking with everybody in the restaurant. the bar, restaurant. Yeah, the restaurant, yeah. You know, it's these long dialogue scenes that are that are that are great and you know you, not a lot of people do that and if they did it they don't do it well and in this movie i don't think he did that as much but he did have that one long dialogue scene um on the set with the little girl the little girl that I thought was really good i'm gonna i i do not i wanted to look up the girl's name before we before we did this i i do not remember her name but whoever played Luke Perry's was his little sister. I think it was his little sister. Little sister, in uh, in the whatever film that they were doing. T that, that was a TV show. Okay, whatever film, that, whatever TV show. That it they was were the filming, pilot for Lancer, which is a fictitious for, TV right. show. Right. So Luke Perry again, you know, someone again. This is one of his. Luke Perry is one of his last roles. I appreciate Luke Perry. Listen, I grew up in the nineties. Mr. 90210. Um, my wife was like, oh my God, that's Luke Perry. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and John's and, like, and she's, oh? And she's like, oh, and he just died. Oh my God. And, and I'm like, I don't know who this guy is. Yeah. No. And then Chris brought it up. He's like, Luke Perry? And I'm like, who the hell is Luke Perry? Like, Beverly Hills 90210. Beverly Hills, man. I didn't watch Beverly Hills 90210. I'll, I'll tell you right now, uh, I watched that show quite a bit. Uh, the fact that Luke I was I think I recognized the name, but I had no idea who it was. I was actually, I was very excited when I saw his name in the credits because I had no idea How old he is was he? in this film. How old is he? Luke Perry was probably in his, his mid 40s. How did he die? Because um, apparently he just recently died. He did. Uh, like, tragically or? Sickness. It was no. I think I think it was sickness. Okay. I think it was a sickness, and it was just. Uh, so this was probably his last I, I, role. It was. I think. I thought it was cancer. I could be wrong on that. No. But no, this was like this was his last. One role. of his. I mean, he he was on. Uh, and he, he was, was on Riverdale, the TV show. But I, I think this might have been like one of his last performances. Okay. Um, which was just just shocking. Um. But I mean, I was just, I was happy to see his name, and when he came on screen, I was like, that was so cool. But to get back to the little girl, there's a scene in the film where the little girl is sitting in her chair, reading a, a book. Reading a book, and this is this is off the set. Oh yeah, yeah. outside completely of, outside of the the outside bar of where filming. the film is going to be taking place, and it's like it's they're waiting. They're they're, waiting. they're, they're on the they're downtime. They're on the studio lot. But they're not like filming anything, yeah. and then Leo comes around, and he's a little early for his 
for the, the scene. Right, and he goes and sits in his chair, Next not time. even realizing... Well, no, he does. He realizes that the girl's there. Because the girl's like, do you yeah. want do you want you sit down yeah, or something? Yeah, I'm not exactly sure if he knows who she is. Right. And then, like, they're kind of just talking, and Leo's kind of reading from this book. And this this girl, she she basically is, like, the ultimate little actor-actress. Yeah. That, A little bit of ingenue. That wants to be recognized for her abilities at such a young age. Like, and she doesn't want to get out of character. She wants to be perfect. She wants to be absolutely perfect in her acting. Like yeah. she even said like she says it to him, like, you know, an act I'm not an actress, I'm an actor. Like my job is A, B, and C. And and she just lists all these things out. And she basically starts talking to Leo about the book he's reading. And and Leo just starts, And he's reading a basically like a pulp western. Right. Of, you know, really, you know, standard pulp western, you know, paperback. And he basically just starts talking about his life. Like, he, he basically starts to inflect on himself really what the book is about. And he just basically starts saying it's like, it's basically about like a, a cowboy who realizes he's getting older. He's getting older and he's and not he's, the best yeah. anymore. Yeah. Um, and drawing the parallel to himself. Yeah, and drawing the parallel to himself. And, and the girl is just like, oh, that's so sad. That's, and that's, she's reading like a, a biography of Walt Disney. Yeah, like this, she's reading this big hardcover I mean, book. It's it's like an encyclopedia. Yeah, she's like she's like she's and, reading about the life of Walt. And Disney. Leo's reading like this tiny like, like paperback, trashy paperback so, novel with the holding the cover back and just it, gonna read it's it. It's just it's really interesting to look at like the, the dichotomy between the, the two um, the two characters. Yeah, um, but then eventually these these people come on scene. And oh, well, well, before well, that happens, there, before there's that actually two lines in that whole interaction with her that I absolutely love. The one is um, where he, like he'll, he's explaining, you know, the, the character in the book, his name is Easy Breezy. Easy Breezy, Easy yes. Bree and, you know, he's, you know, you know, he's past his prime and he's feeling it and he's getting older and he's, you know, he's not as good as he used to be. And, and, it's and you know, he starts crying and, and she comes over. And like comforts to, him to comfort him, and she like kneels at his feet yeah. and puts his hand, puts her hand on her knee, on his knee, and her whole big thing is, you know, you know, when she's even when she's off the set, if she's on the lot, she's in character, she's in, and she says it to him. Yeah, she doesn't like to break. Don't character. don't call me by my real name. Call me by yes. my character. Yes. Um, so she goes to him, and so she goes. It's okay, it's Caleb. Yeah, Caleb. And Caitlin, it's and Caleb. That's, that's his character name. name. So, and it's yeah. you know, it's it's just it's a funny nuance of it. Yeah. And and then and then what what Brad oh, not Brad, what what DiCaprio says is absolutely hysterical when he says he goes, he goes, he goes, Don't worry, you're gonna you're gonna know what I'm talking about in about fifteen 20, years. 15 years. 15 years. <laughs> and she's like, What? Like, yeah, you you know, in fifteen years she's gonna be past her part. She's like only eight, but she's gonna in fifteen years she's gonna be like, like oh, at that like, it's not what I used to like be. in that time in that time frame, it's like, you know, yeah. when she gets older, and at that, that at that age that was, she'll be that was really really funny. Yeah, no, that was that was that was really well done. Um and and then there's a scene and then the scene where Luke Perry's involved. So oh wait, well actually before that scene, the, uh, there's a scene with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio and Timothy Oliphant, who is Timothy Oliphant's like the the star of the this the the movie. Oh, is he Lancer? He I guess he's Lancer. 
And they're they're in the they're in the the bar. The bar, okay. Okay. And now Leo at this point's got like this fake mustache on. Which is actually a little uneven, which is really yeah, funny. One yeah. side is actually a little longer than the other. So like they're they're in this bar and they're chatting and there are multiple parts where Leo kind of like screws up screws lines. up the line a little bit. And so he, he like they, they 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 run the take like a couple of times and like each time like he's just like, Oh what like he's like Line like he, he just like like he gets a certain point forgets the line asks for it and then gets like upset about it and then they end up, and then he's even Leo's like you know can we just cut and then all of a sudden you see Leo back in his trailer wait don't go back to that yet so talking about like those filmings um, the the way those scenes were filmed were actually really kind of interesting oh because, um, they're on a track because you're they're on a you're watching the scene. Almost exactly as it would appear on TV. Yes, you're watching it as if they filmed it, yeah. right? Then, like you're not watching it as a behind the scenes. Yeah, it it, it really almost floats like two things because because you know at the end of the day all of these, I mean everything's got to be edited together. But you're here. But the way that you're hearing everything while you're watching the film, like you're hearing you're hearing a director, you're hearing a yeah. script, like continuity person speak out dirt like at these scenes but you don't see them you see yeah. it as yeah as a real scene you're in film you're in the eye of the camera yes uh, and it's literally playing out on in the movie as if you were watching the actual tv yeah. episode yeah. in color actually yeah. and even though it was probably going to be broadcast on black and white in 69 yeah but and then when like something something happens they stop and then they go they, they go. They, they, they go, go back, back to start, and then yeah. they and you and you hear and and in, and and in TV it probably is the case where it's not like in film where everything's got to be reset. You know, TV is probably very very they just probably keep continuously filming. Yeah, and you know, just you know, start over. You just keep filming, so and you know, edit it in. But it was interesting because it was like, like all you were getting all the different camera angles at once, and no, and in real right. life production, I don't think you would have that because yeah. otherwise, you know, if I. You know, if, yes. you know what I'm saying? Like, if if you're seeing my shot from here looking at you, and then you see your shot from you looking at me, yeah. you could, you would see the other you would you see would the see other cameras. Yes. You know? But so it was a little surreal in that sense, but I'm okay with that because it worked. No, I think it worked well. It and worked it, fantastic. And then all of a sudden you see but because it, it was real. Like it, it felt yeah. real. Yeah. You know, and then and then we see like And when he screws up the lines, it's hysterical. So, so then eventually we get back to, to Leo's trailer and, and he's in the trailer by himself. And it's like, if, if you were screwing up in life in whatever you were doing and you were by yourself and you, you basically just curse yourself out. And you, like you, you get so upset at you yourself. Give yourself the business. And you, you just, literally just like, you hate yourself that 30 seconds. And you beat berating yourself. And, and yeah. Like you just, you, you know, everything around you it like, is, one is of a the, physical. It is one um, of the best scenes in the film. It's there great. are a lot of great scenes in the film, but that scene it's is great, great where he literally just like he and this is in the, this is in one of the trailers where like he just basically like hits everything and he calls himself a screw up, um, and then eventually like he gets himself together, and then one of the next scenes, that's the scene where Luke Perry comes in, and Leo is holding on to the little girl as a captive, and and Leo puts he basically puts on puts a clinic. It, he puts it all out. He does an incredible, incredible job. Acting job, you know, for the film on the set 
with what's going on. Like throws the girl down. Like the little girl throws her on the ground yes. as an improv. Yeah. It was improv. It wasn't even like supposed he, to happen. Mm -hmm. You know, and then it all... He, he's, imp he's improvisationing some lines yes. as well. And like the whole thing like plays out. And then after it's all said and done, the director goes over to him and is just like in love with yep. him. Like, that was great. I can't believe you did that. How did you know to do that? And then the little girl at one point turns around and comes up to him and whispers in his ear, that was the best acting I've ever, ever seen. And he starts to cry, like Leo starts yeah, like, to cry. Yeah. That it was like, yeah. he's like, I did it. I can't, I still got it. I still got it. Like, you know, he wants to yeah. know he still has the you know, capability. You know, and, and, that, and all that is not like parody either. You know, like, like television back no, in the 60s absolutely. and 70s. You know, as you know, some of it may have even seemed a little corny. Like, you know, these people, you know, they actually came out with some really good shows. You know, these were like, you know, you know, you, you had the, you had these hour long shows that were like, you know, you had the main characters, but there was always usually a constant like, you know, each week there was some some a, a new bad guy or a new whatever. There was always, and you know, it was like. You know, you had these three act shows, yeah. like for each episode, where they, you know, they told a story, and people like. But this is what Leo and has they were become. Good. So Leo basically has become. He doesn't towards, have his own show. Towards the end of the career, like, so after, so in the beginning of the film, he's got his own show, and then Bounty gets, Law. Bounty Law, and then it gets and then he canceled. I think he he goes to delve into film a little bit. Yeah, and, and they and they end up canceling you know, the TV show. And, as, and they wind up, you know, a lot of the films he's making, you know, they're not, they're like kind of like B-movies. B-movies. They're not, right. you know, great films. But he gets picked up for these spaghetti westerns and all that stuff, but he's not the main role. He plays the villain. Right. It's and like... It, and you're only going to be there in one or two episodes. Right. That. He's like, and, you know, and, it's and like the villain of the show. It's like the villain of the week. Yeah. You know, maybe he rolls over into a second episode. And but that's it. That's all he's yeah. got. And the, basically what Al Pacino tells him is like, you know, like you're going to become typecast as being the, the bad guy, the second banana, the guy who gets right. beat up in the uniform show to show. And in all honesty, um, like I... Pacino wasn't wrong. Yeah, no, he's not wrong. He's not wrong. You can watch a lot of these shows from the 60s and 70s where there's a lot of, you know, adversarial characters and you wind up seeing a lot of these... Bad guys, yeah, constantly showing up in different shows, and it's literally it's they're the villain of the week, yeah, you know, and they become typecast, and they're and they're not, you know, that you know they're not stars anymore, no, you know, and and some of them may have never been stars, but like I can see where that rationale is, like like I watch shows and I'm like, oh, you see the bad, you see like you're one of the heavies, and you're like, I'm like you know what. I've seen him in Six Million Dollar Man, One yeah, yeah, Woman, exactly. and the writer. He, 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 oh, it's a guy who's been in multiple. Yeah, that's what they become. Shows. You know. Yeah. Now, one of the things that I found interesting with this film, um, and I don't know that it's, I don't, I don't know if I'm off base or not, but it, it, it's definitely not a, a parallel. But I just saw similarities with um, Leonardo DiCaprio's career and Clint Eastwood's career. I don't know if anybody ever picked up on that. Because Clint Eastwood in the sixties, well, he was was the... in he was in Rawhide. Yeah, he was in this like was western show. Yeah, and then after Rawhide, he made like some like so he made movies. You know, there's a you know he made some westerns, and he was very much involved in the spaghetti westerns under Sergio Leone, who was the greatest 
um, spaghetti western director of all time. They make a mention of you're going to be involved with this guy who's the second. You know, Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> Leonardo DiCaprio was making movies with the second greatest um, spaghetti western director. That's Sergio. Yeah. You know, but I, you know, and you know, even though they don't mention Clint Eastwood in the movie at all, like. You know, you know, all these movies, you know, almost every movie exists in an alternate reality in some, in some respect. Of course. You know, so, but like there's a movie uh, that Clint Eastwood did in the late 60s called Where Eagles Dare, where it's, you know, he plays, you know, a guy, you know, you know, against the Germans. Yeah. You know, and this is like, it reminded me of the movie that he's in, um, the 45th McCluskey, whatever it is, where he, where he uh, tortures all the Germans. But there are scenes where he's, you know, in this movie where he's, it's a war film, and he's shooting down all these Germans with machine guns. You know, I'm sitting there, and I'm like... Well, Tarantino like, probably know that, because he, he, he knows old films. He knows well. all these things. And he definitely you know, plays, and it, 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 plays on the He was definitely not saying, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio is... You know, a parody of the Clint Eastwood yes. character. But I'm sitting there going, like, not for nothing. There are definitely some parallels here. But I wouldn't be surprised. Maybe he pulled from a little. I wouldn't be surprised if he pulled from. Maybe a like a watered down Clint Eastwood. But we, you know what? We have to talk about the other character in this film, which is Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt is now. Brad fantastic. Pitt is unbelievable in this film. One of his best roles, in my opinion, of his career. Yeah. If he, he doesn't, if he, if he is not nominated for the for an Academy Award, I'm going to be ridiculous. There's a set because I think he should probably win it. There, there's a basically he's like a no nonsense type of character, but he's very real. He's oh. very down to earth. Yep. Whereas Leo, Leo is the star, and his character. Knows that he's kind of still the he, star. He's embedded in the Hollywood structure. Structure, right? You know, Grant, and then, he's not at a superstar status, right? He's but not there the at day, that point. You know, he was a, a okay, but he, he was known. No, he, he was, was absolutely known. known, and people know his name. He was a very popular t, uh, TV star. Yeah, you know, and there are a lot of there are a lot of people from that time period that were known because of what they did in TV. Right. Regardless of whether they ever did anything else after that. And then you end up having uh, Brad Pitt, who has, has essentially become a glorified gopher for, for Leo's character. And he's a stuntman. And he's, he's a stuntman. He's used to being behind the scenes anyway. Right. And so, like, you know, he, he, and he even says multiple times, like, he kind of enjoys just doing these things for Leo. Because Leo's paying him. Like it's not, not, it's for nothing, not for nothing. Paid, I think they, I think they get along very well. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, it's they're very friendly. Like they make there's multiple um, instances where they where Leo mentions that they've been working together for for multiple years and they they get along really well and they look similar. I'm guessing on screen. So there's a there's a point in time where. Um, the, the the whole Manson storyline is starting to interweave into uh, Brad Pitt and, and Leo's storyline. Um, and it's like, you know, third time's a charm where Brad Pitt ends up picking up one of these girls and ends up bringing them to um, the, the camp. The the movie ranch. The movie ranch. I forget the name. Spawn's 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 Ranch and I don't know if that's a real place or not it certainly could be or it certainly could be based on a real place but I have no idea I don't know where the Manson uh, family cult uh, 
lived, oh, if, yeah. if it hung out, if this was if this was on the Spawn Ranch yeah, or not. Not sure. But so basically, Brad gets there, and it's like uh, it's an old movie western set that uh, Brad knows because he had been there before. He wanted to. He he was asking about the old owner of the place. Because played by Bruce Dern, played by played by Bruce Dern, another great little cameo, um, and that he uh, he he knows the the guy. Um, so what ends up happening is he he he's getting closer and closer to to meeting up with Bruce Dern, and all of these other uh, cult, it's, it's the whole Manson cult family. family start like gathering together. And it almost looks like Children of the Corner. Yeah, shit. and it's it, it's just like you keep seeing this happen, and Brad Pitt. It's all happening behind Brad Pitt, and, yeah. you, and you're just like, something it's bad something, is gonna happen. Yeah. So he gets in, he gets in. So he gets into the main house, and the I don't know Bruce Bruce Dern Bruce Dern Bruce Dern. So his Laura Dern's father. Right, and in the um, it's uh, Lena Dunham. Right, Lena Dunham. I think she plays his, the girl, like the girl, like the redhead. Okay, who's, okay. who's in the house? Okay, her name is Squeaky. Squeak. That's her. That's her. That's nickname. her. That's her nickname. That actually is a real person from the Manson family. Okay. Well, no, I wouldn't be surprised if they have a <laughs> lot of. But no, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Tarantino did that and had like a lot of the the real oh, personal this, names this of these people. This movie is full of. The real the actual stuff that happened. Yeah. So yeah, there was a, a squeaky who had a full name and whatever name. And, so yeah, she's, so Brad Pitt she's goes, so Brad Pitt goes into this house, and as soon as he goes into the house, you're like, "All right, he's getting whacked. Something's like, going down. There's no way he's walking out of here alive. Yeah, or without a fight. Or without a fight. It ends up seeing Bruce Dern's character. We all think he's going to end up being dead. He's still alive. They chat. Bruce Dern's out of his freaking mind. Doesn't remember anything. Has a terrible memory. I'll be honest with you. The scene where, like, okay, where he's in the house and and getting closer and closer to the room and yeah. to open the door. It, you know, maybe this is a stretch, but it it absolutely reminded me of the scene from Psycho, where the woman is getting closer and closer to the room. You know, the fruit, the, the, oh, the, the okay. fruit closet, the closet. Okay. where like. Because you see the where you see, where you the, see the, the mother, yeah, where you okay. see mother, and yeah. and because anybody watching this movie is sitting there going, this guy is dead. Bruce well, Dern is dead, and I'm, he's laying in the bed. Yeah, and it's yeah. a matter of you know, is Brad Pitt gonna find out and you know turn him over? And it really, it, to me, it really had like almost like a, a a very duplicative feel of that scene in Psycho, where eventually the, the woman. Gets close to the mother and turns her around, and no, it's, I, and it's and she's dead. I'm not. But in this be, case, he was alive. I wouldn't be surprised if Tarantino did do that. But like John said, like yeah. he he kind of like touches Bruce Stern, and we all thought he was going to be dead. I thought he was dead. I thought he was dead. Ends up ends up being alive. Yeah, they yeah, have yeah, a chit chat, uh, which Bruce Stern he's out of his mind, um, and then Brad Pitt ends up leaving, and walks away. And the entire time, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for him to get killed on this ranch. And it doesn't happen. He ends up driving away. And that's it. Like, that is the extent of the the Manson Ranch as, as 
we were exposed to yeah. it pretty much. But what it does until it, it, it sets it, it up. sets off it sets up the it sets off, up the end. Where at the end where he recognizes the people. So we but basically we, yeah. But I still don't want to go to the end yet. There's so much to talk about in the beginning. Oh, because we we talk, we start talking about the end. We're going to be over because the end is unbelievable. Well, I love the one thing I will say about okay. So if we were going to get into let's say uh, Sharon Tate's. Uh, well, I, I don't even want to get into Sharon Tate yet. Oh, Going back to so so one one of the things that I like that Tarantino uh, does in this film is that he really he really brings uh, the feel. And the references of the time, you know, it's like well, between something, the music. Oh, the music! The music! The music in this point. movie is unbelievable. It's so good. It is constantly throughout, um, and it it actually and it's and it's uh, even some of the songs, you know, kind of reflect a little bit of what's happening on screen. Not always, yeah. but sometimes they do. I think and the majority of what he picked. For the film, referenced what was going on on screen. Yeah, I really but, did. but a lot it of it felt, was, it felt that way, and a lot of it was like some really good music. And then, and that's the thing, like like back in 1969, you know, you listen to the radio, you were listening to some really good music, and he was like just recreating but, oh, what it was like to live in 69. But we also we also figured that out too. But we also saw this too. There were real. Tarantino had real broadcasts. Yeah, from that from 1969. Real commercials that you saw in the film, whether it was mm -hmm. you know, uh, a TV commercial, TV commercial, or radio or commercial. Radio, that was all legit. That was yeah. That he put in his film mm -hmm. that he was able to grab via real uh, ads. Yeah, and, 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 and I'm telling you, it, it's, and you know the, the way that stuff sounds on the TVs and and. Uh, radio technology at that time, you know, it it, it is kind of cool. It is kind of like a throwback and engrossing. Yeah. You know, they have a, a scene where in, um, you know, it, and it just it just lives it with these things. You know, and it's it's just, it's just meant to to get you. It to, pulls you in. It pulls you in to Absolutely. make you like reliving that time period, whether yeah. you whether you lived in that time period or not. Yeah. It's it's trying to make I you feel that. Listen, I lived in that time period, but I'll tell you what, right now. I enjoyed the hell oh my God. out of what he was able to do to pull me into that time period. And I enjoyed I enjoyed the adventure. I enjoyed yeah. the story of what he was trying to tell around that time. Because so many of the scenes, you know, it's like, you know, even if it's just people driving, you know, it's like, you know, people driving on the highway, like even that propelled the story in the sense because it it, it just well that happened to Brad Pitt multiple it, times it perpetuated right it, but it, it showed him. it wasn't just like boring going from place no. to A to B it was yeah. like it was meant to you know give you that sense of yeah. that time because no. they were listening to music um, all the cars in this movie all the cars are were fantastic. period every Whoa. single scene whether you were on the highway on the street or whatever. You know, every car in this movie was period. I, I love and how it's not easy to, to do that. all that. No, you got to go not. out of your way to do that, I, and that's what he did. He went out of his way to do it well at that, every level. But even the exterior shots, the exterior shots of certain buildings mm -hmm. that they were around at the time, especially the movie studios, they made it oh. seem like it was still in the late sixties. Yep. And you had you know, all the marquees and the movie all posters. The 
What was my and, and multiple they, multiple yeah. marquees throughout? It wasn't just one. Oh, throughout the it movie. was multiple marquees that they were driving through. Mm -hmm. They had the movies of the time of that of that 1969 at that time that that film, that film yep. was taking place. And most of those movies that were on there, movie. like either I've seen or I've heard of. And it's yeah. like and you know and that's but know, it was it was appropriate for the film. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like you know, like you know, you walk around today. There's maybe one movie worth seeing. You know, you walked around in 1969. You know, Multiple there were so many movies yeah. worth seeing, and and not and a lot of these movies weren't great. You know, there was like okay, so um, there's one scene which I which I really really enjoyed, just because of what he how he did it is when uh, Brad Pitt is going back to his house or wherever he lives, um, and he lives like right by like a drive through uh, oh, drive, a drive in movie theater, movie theater yeah, and it it's behind like, it. You know, it just, you know, the movie playing is uh, Lady in Cement, which is a Frank Sinatra or Cal Welch film. And it's not a great movie, but it's fun, whatever it is. Yeah. But, like, I've actually seen that movie. It's a real movie. You know, and it just shows, it, you know, this, the, the camera goes, it, it's behind, behind, and it rises up, and it goes over the screen, and it just shows the entire parking lot of that drive-in movie theater filled with cars. Yeah. Because, you know, that's what people did. That's what they that. did that time. People went yeah. to drive-in movie theaters. No. I, and people I, don't do... No. Drive-in movie theaters almost exist it's, nowhere in the country. It's dead. And it's like, these are things that that people did in the 60s, and they were fun, and they were common, and they're uncommon today. Yeah. You know, things like um, uh, Margot Robbie putting on a record, on a record player, yeah. you know, listening to a, an album. You know, Paul Revere and the Raiders, who nobody even heard of. Which you know I've heard of them, but I don't even know their songs. But it's like, you know, like just like putting on a record and listen. Like I remember playing records on the record player. Yeah. You know, it was cool. No, but that's when that's where and it's Tarantino just point after point after point. But that's that's Tarantino playing nostalgia, building the from, nostalgia from his, and I really felt his time that, frame from his yeah. life pulls that in from the music and everything that moved him. And the story that he probably experienced yeah. when he was around And I that really age, feel that this 69. was the point. This was really what he was exploring with this film. It was it was less about not that it was less, but he really focused on the nostalgia part and recreating that well, throughout it, the entire it, film. It was kind of like more so than any other film. This is what was happening in 1969. And then Sharon Tate died. Because the movie is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And he's, right. he's trying to recreate that and change the event that right. destroyed that. Right. In this and that's where, like, fairy tale Hollywood. That, that's that's story. where everything comes in. So, yeah. you know, at one point, like, we see, we, we you know, there, there is a, a small focus of, of, of Sharon Tate in, in, uh, in the movie theater when. She goes in and she kind of watches herself in the Wrecking Crew, and she watches her whole film, and and we see like bits and pieces of of her watching this movie, and she's got these glasses on, and she is smiling. She is so from happy, ear to ear. and it's just you. It's just someone who's she's not a star, but she sees herself in this film. She hears the, the audience reacting to reacting to her and, to her scenes yeah, and enjoying and what she's it. doing and she's enjoying that and she's getting off on that and like oh my god these these people like what i'm doing i have never seen a a scene in a movie of a person watching a movie in a movie 
and right. enjoying yeah. the enjoyment on her face is priceless. But and, and, it's, and, it's, and it's not based on what's on screen. It's based on the reactions of the audience yeah. and the people the, that the are communal experience. the communal experience that John and the audience about is, and, and the movie is not completely packed. It's sprinkled throughout. But the, John and I talked about this before. It's that communal experience, being in a theater, enjoying what you're watching on screen together. She did that with all of those people and got to see and feel what the other people in the audience were experiencing watching this film. But she just happened to be in it. Yeah. And it, it, was, it was so surreal as we watched all that. And, and I said this to John when we were watching I thought it was this. a beautiful scene. There's such a dichotomy in this film where you're watching, you're, you're almost watching like the decline of, of Leonardo DiCaprio's character, but you're also at the same time watching the rise of Sharon yeah. Tate and her character. So there's, there really is this, this dichotomy of these two people kind of almost like meeting at one point in time. But in real life, they obviously Leo Leo's character doesn't really exist. But in the in this film, in this context, what ends up what ends up happening in the end is almost like a best case scenario. Yeah. So like we, we get to this point, and we get to this end point where the the Manson family people, the Manson cult, the man they, the Manson the Manson family. family. That's that's how they're pronounced. So there there were four people. Um, in this car that were like they well they ended up driving and ended up on the cul-de-sac of where Leo lives and Roman Polanski lives. Now they they live right next to each other in this film. Um, but but Roman Polanski's gone. Yeah. But they're playing like this this ridiculous music and Leonardo DiCaprio like he can't stand it, so he can't stand like this whole like you know he he said he throughout the film he is he is not a fan of hippies or anything. Well, yeah, they to do, do with hippies. throughout the film they they actually do you know there there's a little bit of a hippie presence, especially with with the, the Manson family people that like are sprinkled throughout. Yes, you know, and they and you know they do talk about like hippies, and it's really yes. funny. And and you know, not for nothing, like back in the late sixties. That's that, that, was, that was a thing. That, that was, was a fun. Yeah, absolutely. You know, people walking yeah. around barefoot and yeah. hitchhiking and, and all that shit. And, and Leo like can't stand that, so he basically goes out in his like drunken stupor and rant. And he goes, he rants off at this uh, at this guy who was at the Manson ranch. But he doesn't recognize him yet. Well, he wasn't there, so he goes off. Oh, on, that's right. He, he wasn't go, there. So right, right. So he goes there. off on the. So Leo goes off on the guy in the car, and and these people from the Manson ranch. That Brad Pitt met. met when he went there, yeah. but obviously they don't. They they had they don't know that. Um, so the guys and the guy in the car is like, oh yeah, 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 fine, whatever. So he ends up driving back down the end of the private road, and Pitt goes back, um, and then Leo goes back into the house, and then the people from the Manson family are like, you know, Charles gave us this order to go. To kill everybody in this house who's living there. And he's talking about Sharon Tate's house at this point in time. But because Leo saw them and came out, the, the driver, Tex, starts 
re starts changing what they're going to do and says, hey, we're going to go and get these guys because he saw us yeah, and, and he, I don't know can, that, he yeah. can recognize yeah, us. They, I don't know that they spelled it out exactly, but that exact that makes exactly perfect sense. Because, right. Because they're there to kill whoever is in the Polanski house. The Polanski house. Right. right. But they run into this guy and now yeah. there's a witness. So at the right. end of the day, you know, and then they start talking about their whole um, rationale of, you know, we should kill the movie stars because they're the ones that taught everybody how to kill. Wouldn't that be just desserts? Yes. And they, and they recognize and it's a ridiculous, him as... It's, 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 a, it's like, it's, it's an absurd thought. But, like, they reason it yeah. out. And, and, and they're all like... Yeah. And they oh, play man, into that because that they, they recognize him as being the uh, star of Bounty Law. So he right. they, they recognize him as he is actually... You know, one of those people in TV With, that it was okay to, to, to kill. So now that yeah. they're going to kill him, one, they want to kill them, one, because it feeds into the that theory, and two, they, he is a witness. Right. One of the things I liked about, um, you know, you talk about like the. I don't know if there's a difference between Sharon Tate and the other character, but like Sharon Tate does some that does some things that um, would be unheard of today. You know, she's driving around Hollywood. You know, she, at this point in her career, she is, you know, a, an up-and-coming movie star who has, yeah. absolutely has a number of films under her belt. And, you know, she was, she's actually been, had been recognized in the Hollywood industry as a very promising newcomer. Right. So she's, you know, she's just not, you know, she's... And she's also Roman Polanski's wife. wife. Yeah. So uh, the scene where she picks up a hitchhiker. Yes. You know? Nobody, no star in Hollywood today is picking up any hitchhikers. Exactly. You know, it was just, you know, it was more of a free spirit type thing. And if you and if you go back even further, you know, back in the forties, you know, movie stars, you know, stopped making movies to go to war. Well, you know, they enlisted in the armed forces. But I think it was basically showing Sharon Tate's character. Yeah, and Sharon Tate was someone who. Not sympathized. Was, but was open. Was open to do that. Open to do that. Yeah, absolutely. People, I, I think people today would be like, "That's insane." That's great. Like, but you know what? It's not insane. Right. Because like again, like you know, back in the forties, like you know, uh, baseball stars, you know, like some of those, like you know, people in the in the forties, like you know, big, you know, baseball stars, you know, they weren't making a lot of money. No. Some of a lot of those people, a lot of those guys, they were taking the subway to the game to play. Right. You know, they weren't going in their limousine yeah, or no, whatever. You know what I mean? Listen, like, it's very different from today. It's very different from today. And that's, you know, I think some people have fun. Now, 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 Polanski, we haven't even talked about Polanski at all. That's now, a whole other video. Yeah, Polanski is um, Sharon Tate's um, Her husband. husband. Now, they actually, in real life, and I think they mentioned this in the film, they met on the set. Of uh, Fearless Vampire in, uh, in Europe, or, it was uh, wherever he was filming. The movie he was filming was Fearless Vampire Kills, and you could uh, you could easily say that the death of his wife, I, in my opinion, it didn't derail his career, but it really stunted it, because Polanski's greatest films, in my opinion, are all before Sharon Tate died. You know, he made. Like, so they even say in the film, like, oh my God, you know, Roman Polanski, he's this big name. Well, well yeah. why is he a big name? Yeah, Le Rosemary's, like, you know, Rosemary's Leo. Baby. Yeah. He didn't make a single movie. That, that was like literally like the last movie he made 
before Sharon. One well, of the Leo, last movies he made before Sharon takes Leo, Leo knows like who he is, and Leo mentioned everybody knows who he is. Like who Roman he's is. He's a like, hot director. He's like he's like like oh maybe uh, maybe he'll he'll know um you know so and so next door, and that he'll want me to be in his next film. Right. I mean, he's a Polish. He, this guy's you know Polanski's a Polish director. Um, you know, one of his earliest movies was a movie called Knife in the Water, four-star film that nobody ever heard of. Um, but then he started making English films, and he wound mm -hmm. up making three of his, some of the greatest films ever made. Mm -hmm. Rosemary's Baby is probably the most well-known, but he made Repulsion, and the movie with Sharon Tate is Fearless Vampire Killers, or Pardon Me But My Teeth Are In Your Neck. That's really literally the name of the film. Mm -hmm. It is one of the best vampire films ever made. And, you know, he was like a super hot director. Not for nothing, I don't think he made, he made another great movie to The Pianist, you know, decades later. But it's like, you know, it's a shame that, like, I literally think the impact of, of Sharon Tate's murder completely derailed his career. You know, and they took... We're not, we're not talking about any of the, like, personal issues that, like, Polanski's... Which he may not have ever got into if he was if he remained married to his wife. Yeah, he's got he's got other problems. You and that was that was really one of the one of the tragedies about Sharon Tate is when she was killed, she was eight months pregnant. You know that's that's just disturbing. You know, and it's not like you didn't just kill her; you killed her and her baby. You know, there and you know there are people that like you know, you know some people say like the end of this movie was very violent, but you know what? What really happened in real life in this story? was maybe even, even more, more violent, violent yeah. than what happened in this so, movie. So, I, I mean, listen, uh, Tarantino is known for his films to have violence in... Ultra-violence in some cases. Ultra-violence in some cases. And I think... In multiple movie, scenes. I think this movie is not For the most part, this film, I think, is pretty tame until you yeah. get to the final scene. But even that, to me, is realistic. The final scene... In my opinion, and probably in John's, it seems like it's somewhat justified because Absolutely if you think about it, justified. it's a home invasion. Yeah. So you basically have the three people from the, the Manson family come in, and they're basically looking to kill everybody in the house. Now, Leo's in the pool with his headphones he doesn't, on. He doesn't know anything until much no later. idea what's yeah. going on. Brad Pitt's trying to feed his dog. And Leo's Italian wife is in the bedroom. One quick sidebar about the dog food. This is another scenario <laughs> where, like, Tarantino just completely invents something. The dog food in this movie is absolutely hysterical. Because, and, and, and this is the thing with Tarantino. So many of these things that he's putting in the movie, like, he's not putting the camera right on it. No, you gotta find. You gotta find it. You gotta yeah. look. At it. You know, he's yeah. not just. You know, so many people today when they make films, you know, everything is broadcast. Everything is explained. Everything is right. They put it in your face. It's in your face, and it's like no. The thing is to make it behind the scenes. You know, Tarantino's movie is about creating the feel of '69, and these characters. Right. Every single thing that is a great reference is literally. In the background, behind the scenes, right. the focus of the shot is what's going on with the character and what they're doing. So you have Brad Pitt making this dog food, and and I did this both times I watched the movie. I'm trying to read the labels of the dog food because it's so funny. <laughs> and the name of this dog food is like Wolf's Tooth. 
Yes, Wolf's Tooth. That Wolf's was, Tooth, which has absolutely got to be fictitious. Yeah, There's no yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. And the motto is just like, you know, like, you know, like, it's like dog food for mean dogs. <laughs> and there's... Well, he's got a pit bull. Right. There's three flavors of Wolf's Tooth. Do you have any idea what the flavors are? I know. I remember seeing like okay. at least two of them. Okay, there, but I don't the, know what the they flavors are. of this dog food. One is rat. The oh, other, rat. the other yeah, is yeah. raccoon, and the other is bird. Like literally, like like the, the rationale is like you know you know these are for mean dogs that I go s- out yeah. and you know kill other animals and eat them. I, s- I saw rat and bird. It's it's absolutely hysterical. Just like little stupid things like that are, but like, absolutely hysterical. But. I mean, up until that point in time, there really isn't too much violence in this film. No, so, there isn't. I mean, up, I mean, the main and I can tell you right now, a lot of people between Brad go Pitt. into Tarantino films thinking they're going to be ultra violent, which he has had in the past. Yeah, because I mean, I thought the the ending of Django Unchained Django is yeah. is over the top. Even even the scene, there's a lot of violence in um, Kill Bill. Kill Bill. There's a lot of violence in um, even in the Hateful Eight, I think. Even the Pulp Fiction. But like you know, but like but Pulp Fiction, like it was perfect and it made sense. Whereas with Django Unchained, it was like to me excessive. This movie, it was perfect and it made sense. And it was the still he saved it. He could have done so much worse. He saved it. He saved it. There was a strength. And and I think that this scene at this point in time. So when the invasion, the home invasion yeah. basically happens. Uh, now we got to talk. Pitt, we, you got to talk about Brad. Brad, Brad Pitt character. is basically. Brad Pitt is a no. He's a no nonsense, nonsense guy. guy. He really you is. Know, and at this oddly point, enough, he has he's never been in jail, and because they mentioned that, he's not like a violent yeah. guy that goes out and kicks people's asses right. for no reason. He's a stuntman. He's a stuntman. He's a tough guy. A, he right. doesn't put up with anybody's shit, yeah. Yeah. and he has the ability. To take care of himself, which they show when he goes up against when he goes up against Bruce Lee, Bruce Lee. which yeah. is actually kind of interesting because I was thinking about this. I'm like, not for nothing. Bruce Lee would be able to kill him. But I mean, in that a, scene, you would have never expected. There's that. a scene between. There's a scene um, that's on the movie. That's lot. on the movie lot between, and it's one of the Bruce best scenes. Lee and and Brad Pitt. Yeah, which probably is one of the best scenes, and they go at it. Just like and, with and, words, and then I think it was it was more or less kind of like a like a it really was like a macho thing. It really yeah. was how they how Tarantino filmed it. Yeah, um, and Bruce Lee's not going to go full out. Where they try to go, him. where they try to go like toe to toe with one another, but they're feeling I, each other out, and they're yeah. on a movie set. They're not like you know, they're just like Bruce it's not Lee's not going to kill the guy. It's not full on, but I but still Bruce, think, but like Brad honestly, Pitt like held his own. But Brad Pitt held holds his own yeah. in the film, and again, it's for the film. But I still believe 100% if these guys went real toe-to-toe, Bruce Lee, Lee would, would have, have killed him. But Bruce Lee is known for be having to show restraint. So he's, yes. he's fighting this guy that he's never fought before. But it's... And, I, and, and Brad Pitt lets him knock him down just to, just yeah. to feel him out. But you and then see, he winds up throwing him into a car, which is but great. But you see Brad Pitt like being yeah. tough. And he, he, he demonstrates yeah. it there, and he demonstrates it, it at the, the ranch. ranch. Yeah. So now we get to the final scene where it's the, the, the home invasion happens. Brad Pitt's high on a 
uh, an acid cigarette that he smokes. Yeah, which I think is great because there's a scene where when the when the acid really kicks in, yeah. he's like talking to the dog and he shakes his finger <laughs> and he says, and he starts, he starts like looking at his hand and like you know what and it's like, <laughs> yeah, like you, okay. he starts doing that and and as the as the the movie watcher you're sitting there going like. What the hell is he doing? doing? And then you realize it yeah. because, it's the and that's the beauty of Tarantino because he doesn't have to, like Brad Pitt doesn't have to sit there and say, "Oh man, that acid is really kicking in." Right. As like he's you he, get he is forcing you as the viewer to watch the scene and understand yeah. what happened. And then you sit there and you go, "Oh yeah, the acid is kicking in," and that's beautiful to make you yeah. understand. And, and when the, and when the so when the home invasion happens, like Brad Pitt basically is there with the dog and he's got a gun in his face, not more than 10 feet away. And like, is that real? Right. He thinks he might be tripping he's out. He's like, are you real? And it, it, you kind of laugh because we all know that he's he smoked the cigarette. Yeah. But we all know like this is this is actually happening. Uh and then all of a sudden, he, you know, he makes like a he makes a sound of his he makes a whistle sound, and the dog goes after, after the guy. The guy. And, and then Brad Pitt takes he's holding a, a can of dog food, and the other and one of the girls and one of the girls him. starts to rush him, and he and turns he and blasts full her, force, just throws this the can metal dog can and right in her face. face crushes her nose and she drops to I the mean, ground. It is a beautifully choreographed violence. Violence, scene. yeah. Choreographed is the bet that is the best word you could use. Yeah. Because it's exactly what happened with that. Where the dog goes after the yeah. one guy who had the gun that was pointed at Brad Pitt. And he has no qualms about setting this dog. No. That's the dog goes off. End of the day, you're this Brad Pitt oh, you're, you're who's gonna not going to put up with any shit and you're in a home, you're being a home invasion, a home invasion with guns and right. knives. Yeah. Like, you know what? You're dead. You're dead. I'm going to have to set my dog on you. You're and there's, and there's no, no, there's no yeah. hesitation. There's Zero. no guilt. Like, screw Zero. you. You're dead. And the dog, the dog goes at it and then Brad Pitt takes care of himself. Now, and then he sticks the dog on the other girl. And he sticks the dog on the other girl after he blasts her with the, the can. Uh, I know that I know there's controversy with this film with what Brad Pitt and how he treats one of the the home invaders, one of the women in this, because he he bashes her head in a, after, num well, a number of after times. she stabs him with a knife. After she stabs him with a, she launches at him and ends up stabbing him with a knife. And, then, and in his mind, this is all self defense. And you know what? Screw you. You're dead. Yeah. So and I mean, he really brutally. Bashes his girl. Oh, I mean, no, that it's it's. There's no question that he he brutally puts her through the ringer right. multiple multiple and times. And even though I mean, you could almost say like he's on acid, so maybe his thresholds are really gone. But I yeah, I think even if he wasn't on acid, he probably would have done just as bad, just about the same, if not worse. Yeah, and, and I I think you kind of have to put yourself in that position and say, okay, what would you do if you were if your life was in danger and you had these people coming at you? Um, he, I, yeah. I think, I mean, for I for his, he, he was he yeah. was in character. Yeah, that was his character. Yep. So I think, and I don't think was, it was over the top. I 
I, I kind of agree that I think it was within reason of what his character was and what he would have done. So I, I yeah. don't I don't oh, question yeah. it at this point in time. And I and I, I, I really think and, you know and I and I bet you there are some people out there that you know watch this film and and really dig into the nostalgia. Yeah. But then you know they're just so naive and they watch you know the end. Well, they don't they go, like the violence. And they go, oh, you know, why did it have to? And then yeah. you know, like, you know what? No, it did because screw these guys. Yeah. These are the guys that are going around killing people and you know, killing pregnant women. You know, like right. You know, but, like just but, desserts. But it wasn't, and that's what happened in real life. But that's not what was going on in this movie. Yeah. And I get that. And I get I get people's I get the people that are being upset. Um I, I guess because it's about the treatment of women. Because the guy who gets the guy the, the one guy so there was one guy and two girls that invade this house. Yeah. And the guy just basically gets mauled by the dog. He doesn't get the crap beat out. Well he does. Well, after the dog mauls him and sticks the dog on the other on the other girl. That he goes after Brad Pitt with the knife, and he winds up. Oh, well, like, Pitt, yeah, yeah, Pitt takes care. This is after that he sticks sticks the knife in him and punches his face yeah. in and, yes. and crushes his skull. Yes, he does. Yeah, but he, he does still it. Gets to ship you that. But the the and he does do that. Yeah, but what he does to one of the other girls, smashing her through. Multiple the mirror, mirrors and phones and, and, and wedges, posts, yeah, you know, like multiple like wood posts and everything. Like, there's a lot more damage done to that girl than it was oh, to the yeah. guy. She's so she's absolutely I, dead. I can completely understand people that don't like the violence aspect about this, but I think it is within reason of the yeah. character uh, for this film and what they ended up doing. Yeah. Uh, now, when the, the the second girl gets mauled by the dog. Uh, the, well, the first girl, the first girl who gets the crap beat out of her, gets mauled by the dog. She winds up like going through the plate glass window. I almost there was a part of me that almost felt like the way she was like reacting and going crazy yeah. was that to me was almost a little over the top. Oh, agreed. Because when she goes out into the pool, Leo's out there. Leo's on a float. Leo, his character's on a float, like, doesn't know what's going on, like, ha, ha, ha. And then all of a sudden, this girl bursts out through the window. With a gun. With a gun, into his pool, but she can't see him. Yeah, she's so screwed up. She's but messed she, but up. But she's like flailing. She's I, flailing The way she's flailing and screaming, it literally reminded me of like some of the characters uh, from The Evil Dead. Yeah. The way they were like, yeah. like almost possessed. But so the best part about this is what comes back yep. from the beginning of the film <laughs> is that Leo goes like into sweet. his shed, grabs the flamethrower from his from the from the yeah. Nazi movie that he did, and lights her up. Oh. Well, the, 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 the ironic part to me about that is, is that at the end of the day, she is in a pool. <laughs> it's, like, but, it's like fire on water. Like, but yeah, but all, her, she has her, to, all she has to do is go under the water. But, only she, but she's nowhere. Her, she's her, crazy. But she's even when she's on fire, water. she's standing in a pool on fire. Oh, and at dumb. no point does she go underneath the water until she's literally unconscious. Oh, yeah. Like she's dead and unconscious. So that to me was like a little... A little funny in a way, but it was like, but it's to me, it was still perfect. It worked. Oh, I, I think him was, bringing out the flamethrower was great. I mean, I think that was, that that to me was was a, a great way to end the fight. And then, of course, like we get the we get the storybook ending of 
Leo at the end yeah. getting to meet up with Sharon T. Because basically what happens is Sharon T. All this stuff is going all on. All this going on. And one and of like, the guys from the house comes, comes down, down to and, see what's right. going on. And like there's all this police that's on yeah. like their cul-de-sac. And, and he starts and talking the guy to the guy. starts talking to Leo. And he's like, hey, like, what's, what's, going, what's on? going on? So they start. And they, they don't even realize. On. No, they don't no even one realizes that, that was, they were really, they were really going there. They were the second yeah. stop. You and know, then and it's crazy. Sh- and then Sharon Tate basically comes, you know, she, she messages Calls down the, through uh, the call box. The call box. And, and it's like, oh, my God, is that uh, Rex or wh- whatever his Dalton? Dude, it's like, is that, is that Dalton? Is that Dalton? Mr. Dalton. Mr. Dalton? And so, you know, they start talking on the call box. It's like, oh, please come in. And then and the they, gates and open they, up. And they meet up and, and supposedly they become, they're already neighbors, but they yeah. they. They, it's like they become very friendly and they meet, and it's and like, okay, what would have like, happened if you know, this occurred? You know, and, and because that was that's what Leo. And wants. this is this is where the movie was ending, but it was like it wasn't all about okay, what happens with these guys with Sharon Tate. It was all about okay, these, this is what's happening, yeah. and at the end, it comes together, and and then it's like this movie they're still alive, right? And now Leonardo DiCaprio. You know, maybe has some, maybe had some doors opening. Yeah, I mean, because, you know, like he said in the movie, he was like, he was, you know, I'm one barbecue away, one pool party away from being in Polanski's next film. Yeah, you know, and you know what? Maybe he is, and that's what he exactly. You know, like you know, and 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 Margot Robbie's Sharon Temple in every scene. She this uh, the if there is one complaint I have about this film is that there was not enough, enough of, her. of Margot Robbie. You know what? And I was okay with the amount she was in because it it was there in the background and it, I and just, it ended. I think... Because I, I if, you read, the, if you read the reviews of this movie, it's about DiCaprio and Pitt. And no, it really is. And it is. But it, it's, it is. it's how these fictional characters tie into but the problem, that story. If you want to call it a problem that Tarantino creates, is that he does such a good job with Margot Robbie that you want more of her. You just don't get it because it's not about her. She's yeah. she's the side yeah, the movie, story. Yeah, the movie is not about she's her. She's the side story. But it, it the, she's a subplot. The sub and, and, the, it's, and it's Tarantino yeah. and it's about DiCaprio and it's about Pitt. Yeah, because if you if you characters. ask somebody what the movie's about, it's it's about these two guys yeah. and ultimately what happens how how they change what happened. With, with with her that right you know? and how and like their interaction interferes yeah. with that um, yeah what ultimately I, I mean listen I, I gave this movie I, I want to give this movie four stars so bad it's not even funny it's probably the most solid three and a half star movie I've don't, ever seen you're not guessing that you know what it is but don't I guess but I you know it's I got it you know what because I almost feel like I almost feel like there were certain times where it could have been more it could have been better but. You know what? Almost every single movie can be better than it is. You know, it to me it really, you know, like Gone with the Wind could have been better. You know, there were certain scenes in Gone with the Wind that could have been better. That doesn't mean it's not four stars. So I, I, I got to give this movie four stars. I'm sorry. I really enjoy this film. Um, you know, John and I, and I think I know we mentioned this before. Like, I, I don't know who I liked better, Leonardo DiCaprio or Brad Pitt. Because these guys are the stars. Yeah. They're both unbelievably good. Leo is so talented, and he shows it in this film. 
he is so so good as a an actor on the decline of his career and how he's trying to hang on to the glory days and Brad Pitt kind of tagging along as his his stunt double and what that means for him and his career and what he's able to pull in and do and how he's just this no-nonsense guy they were both so good and Margot Robbie is not in the movie enough but what she does while she's in the film is magic is unbelievably yeah. good like it's palpable how good she is in this movie and how much you just want to kind of like hold on to her and make sure that she's safe like yeah. knowing what happens to her character yeah you don't want it to happen to her because of how innocent she is and what she plays in this film yeah. um and i really dug that about this movie there tarantino does such a great job with the interaction of characters and uh, I really do appreciate that because I think that's very hard to do and he does it so well so seamlessly yeah and so in so many of these like type of movies um, in the hands of a of an inferior director they almost become like I don't know if they want to say parodies but like they, they almost don't know what they're doing. And, right. and what you have is you wind up actors that, like, you have actors not playing the part. They're almost like playing at handmade. Yeah. They realize they're in a throwback type film. Yeah. And they're, like, they don't even know how to play it straight. But they don't do it in this film. Like, yeah. they, these, these guys. These characters play their parts. You know, and they're in a movie that. A, by a director that knows how to direct this type of movie and get what and get, Tarant get the feel out. I have to say, like Tarantino has always done a really good job with casting, and this film does not disappoint. I don't yeah. care if you're talking about Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio, or if you're talking about Rumor Willis and oh my God, I'm going to forget Uma Thurman's story. There's so many people like, in this movie. I don't even know who they are. Oh, th these characters from the top to the bottom all put out good performance. The girl, the, the young girl who was in the scene. I don't even Leonardo know who she is. Never I do seen not her know her name. She's, she's a young she's actress. Great. But I'm going to tell you right now, in five years from now, everyone's going to know her name. Because yeah. she is a good, young, up-and-coming actress. She is going to find something because of this film. Yeah. And she's going to go somewhere. Sure. She was excellent in her scenes and so believable as a young actress. Yeah. I can't actually wait to see what she does as she gets older. You know what's really funny when you talk about the difference between uh, Sharon Tate's character and Leonardo character's character? And this is something I didn't realize until I saw it the second time. There are two parallel scenes in this movie that are identical with the two different, two different characters but different completely reactions. There's the scene in the beginning of the movie where they show Roman Polanski and Sharon Tate coming. Yes, off the where they're coming in the airport. Yep, and it's like the paparazzi are there and they're yeah, taking they're pictures. All the, yep. the, the scene at the end of the movie when when DiCaprio is with his with new his wife from, from Italy. and they're right and, 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 they're, and they're, they're coming out of the in the airport yeah. and they're like they're walking like they're on the runway, but there's, no there's there. nobody there. 
and it's just you know Brad Pitt's behind them pushing all and like but this is what I mean by the and it's actually it was actually kind of funny and that's what I mean by the dichotomy of yeah. how Tarantino filmed all this where it was like it really was the decline of of uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's character and just the rise of, of Sharon Tate and it was yeah. it was kind of just like they it was happenstance that they met yep. but only because they foiled the Manson family mm-hmm. and. I, it, it, it was, you know, it was kind of one of those, again, it's, it's those what-if scenarios had occurred. And I think the thing that I really enjoy about this movie is so much of the, the little touches that Tarantino went out of his way to just pull things in. Like, there's a scene in, uh, um, in Brad Pitt's, I want to say, he's a little, is he living in a trailer? He lives in a trailer, yeah. You know, they just show a couple of comic books, you know. Yeah. His thing, you know, yeah. like, from that time period, you know, uh, uh, you know and things that... He, he would read. It's a, yes. It's like, it's a Sergeant Fury and his Howling yeah. Commandos and like, I think a kid called Outlaw, you know, Western and, and, and Army. Right. You know, those are the types of comic books he would read. But they just kind of throw those in there. Um, there's a couple of things in there that, you know, really meant a lot back in the day. But like, I don't know that people would really care now. But like, you know, so uh, DiCaprio, when he was on Bounty Law, he would, like we said, he was, you know, he was pretty popular. He was the star of that show, and it was a popular show. Yeah. So what happened during that time period? He wound up getting um, a cover of TV Guide that was like you know about Bounty Law, you know, and nobody reads TV Guide, but I'm telling you, <laughs> back then, in the '60s and '70s, yeah. TV Guide was pretty cool. It was pretty common in every house, and the cover and it was and it came out weekly. Right. And the covers of TV Guide. Some of them were great. You know, they were, a lot of them were, um, they weren't photographs. They were, you know, sketches. They were sketches yeah. of the, you know, I know there were people that did all these sketches of all, the, you know, being on the cover of TV Guy was a big deal. And there was even a, um, um, a Rick Dalton uh, parody on Mad Magazine. They had a Mad Magazine sitting there. And, like, you know, I think Mad Magazine is still around today, but it was in the 60s and 70s like for him to be on the cover of Mad Magazine that was pretty cool like you know and he actually went out of his way to kind of recreate these issues of Mad Magazine and TV Guide that don't exist but he put them out there and they were sitting on the table you know um, there's one thing there was one scene in there where the uh, Manson kids are like walking uh, down the street and they're walking past the mural and yeah, it's a it. mural of um the hell's his name um in uh giant and east of eden what the hell having a brain freeze what the hell's his name um i'm going on here with this one i can't he's 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 the guy. He's the. I know what scene you're talking about. Yeah, I just don't know what. He's the guy who died. He's he he made like a couple of movies and he died. Um, James Dean. Okay. Oh, James Dean. So it's 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 the famous uh, picture of James Dean uh, from the movie Giant, where he's like you know he's he's like leaning up, he's leaning and he's got his feet up. Yeah. So the beauty of Tarantino is that if anybody else, you know, so. This, it's this whole side of this building is painted with this mural. Yeah. Anybody else making this movie would have had a completely back, far back shot because they're like, you know, we, you know, I'm pretty sure that mural does, hasn't existed since the 60s. I'm pretty sure it was painted for the film. 
You know, they're like, you know, well, we painted the mural. We're going to have it in the movie. We got to, you know, sit all the way back and, and showcase it. And it's like, no. They just, in the movie, they just have the kids walking down past the mural. And the, move, the, the shot is focused um, on the then. kids. And you see a portion of that mural. Right. And as they're walking past it. And if you're astute enough, you can see a portion of that mural. Well, was the artistic. And go, that was you know, the artistic that's, choice. That's James Dean the yeah. Giant. You know, to recognize that. As opposed to, like, doing it in your face. Like, yeah. you know, oh, well, we got to show it all. You know, that's what I like about it. That no, all think, these things. But that's the beauty, of the, I, I think, of Tarantino. Is are that behind. They're, they're, they're not. He doesn't go out of his way to just put it in your face. No. He gives you enough respect to just. It's so much better just being there where you can, you yeah. can you, if you're paying attention, you can see it. You got to figure it out. You know, there's just so many of that throughout this whole film. It's it's endless and it's just so freaking good. I love I I love this movie. Giant love I this would movie. see this movie again I, and again I'll, and again. And I I enjoy this film too. And yeah, I almost want to do what you said you want to do is go through the cast on IMDb and see who the hell all yeah. these people are. I feel like I've missed because you watch well, Tar Tarantino's usually in his films, and I don't yeah, recall him I being in this. Film. I don't either. So either he was in heavy makeup that I didn't recognize him, or he just maybe he didn't have a role, or he was in a scene and it just got cut. That might have happened too. He might have just cut himself out of the film. Could have. So that could have happened too. But I, I really would like to go through uh, the cast and kind of just take a quick peek. Yeah, um, and part of me wants to like almost even go online and almost because I'm sure somebody out there has put together like a just huge list of like all the references. You know, yeah. and, and, you know, you know, and like one of the things that they did was um, he was really unbelievably spot on almost with the uh, recreations of characters because the guy who played Bruce, Bruce Lee was, oh, he was like great. really good he was great the guy I the guy loved, who played who what? loved that guy yeah the guy that played Bruce Lee I thought he was bang, yeah freaking tag and incidentally I forgot to bring this up um, there was a they show a scene in there um, when um, when he's, he's training he's sparring Sharon Tate. with Sharon Tate yeah. that really Happened. So you think he? No, that he, that, that is that no. Did happen. No, that did so, happen. I looked so that up. So he helped. He helped he, train Sharon. He Tate helped Sharon Tate uh, the train the for crew. the wrecking crew because yeah. she's involved in a fight scene yeah. and you know doing some crime. Because I, I, I saw that really and I was cool. like, you know, like I was like, that was it. And then I read up on that and I'm like, and I'm like, yeah, she did train uh, Bruce because uh, this was early in Bruce Lee's career. This uh, was when uh, Bruce Lee was still on was in the Green Hornet. Yeah, in Cato. This was before I think he started making a lot of his movies. I'll tell you right now, that but that scene showcases Margot Robbie a little bit with him and it's like some images. I'm like, I'm telling you right now, if you go and watch this film, if you haven't seen it yet and you're listening to this podcast yeah. or watching this video, Margot Robbie was not in this film enough. You, after seeing yeah. this film, if, if, I, if I had a complaint with this film, my only complaint is that Margot Robbie was not in this movie enough. She was great for the scenes that she was in. Yeah. She should have been in this film more. I wish she was in this film more. She is a great up-and-coming actress, and I and wanted to see she's this. she's beautiful in it. And, she's if you, and if you look at pictures she, of Sharon she Tate, looks like Sharon Tate is, is beautiful. Margo from, uh, yeah. yeah, Sharon Tate's fantastic. She's beautiful. Out. This is too. And John and I have both discussed it. In The Wrecking Crew, when, when Margot Robbie's watching this in the theater, I don't think they photoshopped 
Margot Robbie in that film. Right, which, is, which they did when they did The Great Escape. Right. With, which was actually kind of funny. With Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah. But I think they kept Sharon Tate in the film of The Wrecking Crew when, they're, when Margot Robbie's watching it in the theater. Understandably enough that maybe Tarantino did not want to uh, distract from Sharon Tate and maybe... Uh, Maybe by leaving it, the, maybe like by a, leaving it, the actual footage of Sharon Tate was yes, kind of like a little an homage and respect yeah, to which her, was nice. which I get. Yeah, and incidentally, the the scene right before she goes into the movie theater, where she goes into the bookstore, like yes. apparently that actually is real. Like she actually, yes. whatever book she was buying in there, no, I was something that she, like she was buying for Roman. I, I think the as foot, a president, that was real. I think the foot trails that we saw of Sharon yeah. Tate happen throughout the film. I think those really did occur, and that yeah. Tarantino they really, really did tried to try you know, to the ad, the addresses that. were right. Um, you know, when she's in that Cielo, bookstore, Cielo Drive, Cielo Drive, yeah, Cielo that, Drive. that was that was their address. When yeah. she, and when she was in the bookstore, she actually like looked, uh, puts her hand on some sort of statue. What, what was that again? And that was to me, it, out, it looked like. Um, the Maltese, Maltese, the Maltese Falcon, Falcon right. yeah, okay. which makes sense. To, you know, people say, "Oh, the Maltese Falcon is a movie," but you know, these were all books. Wep- these were all like these, like you know, noirish type, you know, pulpy, yeah. pulpish type detective novels. You know, the Maltese Falcon, I'm sure, has its origins in in literature yeah. before it was made on film. Um, you know, all these things. You know, the character, the actor who played Steve McQueen, yeah, was like. I almost thought oh, like um, that was actually really Steve McQueen, oh, whoever that, that was. Oh, I'm gonna forget. But it, at the play, the, the they scene, did a great job. You know, they even just recreating the scene at the Playboy Mansion. Yeah, was amazing. No, and the uh, the woman who meets Margot Robbie. Yes. At the, that's Mama Cass. Yeah. That's Mama Cass from the Mamas and the Papas, and it's just like. Like, they don't really, like, you actually hear her say, like, cast something, something like that. yes. But it's like, but, like, even before they but said those it, are those, I'm like... But those are those little yeah. things that you catch if you're paying attention and watching. And I think the only part of this movie where Quentin Tarantino went out of his way to explain something, because there was no other way around it, was when Steve McQueen was explaining the triangle. Yes. Because it, that was probably not obvious to, to most people. And I think he said, you know what? This is where I'm going to... So people know. Yeah. So we had Steve McQueen explaining it to somebody else. Right. But, Between the ex-husband but the, but, and Rome but, but, it, but he, yeah. they worked the dialogue into like a good like joke at yeah. the end. So yeah. it, they, they it weaved works. it in and it worked. It and that works. was the one time where Tarantino... Like, so you know what? I gotta explain this to people. Because to me, that was. That, and you know what? That I think that was okay. Because you know what? I didn't know that before. It worked out. Yeah, yeah. It worked. So, to me, that worked okay. out good. Um, overall, uh, I really enjoyed this film. I know Johnny Moe really loved oh this film. Oh my God. I'm, I'm gonna go home tonight, driving home, and I'm gonna be like, oh shoot, I forgot to mention that. Oh shoot, I forgot to mention that. Because there's so, so much about this film. I mean, listen. It's we, just. I think it's, it's, it's beautiful. We I obviously it. highly recommend going to see this film in the theaters while it's still out. Yes, it's a long movie. Don't worry about it. It doesn't feel like an actual two-hour and 45-minute film. No. It goes by much faster. It goes by much faster. Um, it's really enjoyable. Just go in with open eyes and ears. Enjoy the film as much as you can. Um, and I think that's really it. I mean, listen, judge for yourself. Let us know what you think. Please give us your comments on the film. Did you not? Did you like it? Did you not like it? 
Uh, what were your reasons? Uh, if you think we're crazy, tell us we're crazy. If you're like, oh my God, that was great, let us know because we honestly want to know what you guys think. That's why we're doing all this. We, we, yeah. We're sharing all of our ideas with you guys. Um, so we really hope that you guys play a part in all this. And, you know, we, we're hoping... Yeah. So, well, I mean, I'll say what even Chris said. Like, I, if you're going to go see this film, see it now. See yeah, it on the big screen. Don't, don't, don't wait. Don't wait for it I mean, to come out gonna, of digital. You're going to enjoy it on TV, but I'm telling you, the, 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 the sound and the feel and you know, the yeah. presentation just plays so well on the big screen. And that yeah. really is where movies are meant to be played. I agree. You know, like uh, this, 100%. You know, um, I was talking about this film uh, on Facebook, which I almost never do, you know, talking about films. But I was like, you know, I love this film. And I'm like, I'm like, I was like telling Chris, I'm like, this film is easily cracking my top 200, which sounds absurd. Well, I got 200, but trust me, my top 200 no, is tight. If, if that, but I can tell you right now. Johnny Moe's saying that, guys, I'm going to tell you right now. That means it, something. Yeah. This film is really knocking on the door. Of my top 100. Yeah, it's really not. Which, which I can't, I'm going to tell you right and now, I, guys. That that's a yeah. big deal for Johnny Moe. You know, and I can tell you right now. You know, I watch a lot of old films. You know, and when I watch an old film, there are so many times where I'm blown away, and I'm like, oh my god, I can't believe I've been on this earth 50 years and hadn't seen this yet. You know, I watched a movie the other day, uh, The Train, John Frankenheimer directed, four stars, Burt Lancaster. Heard of it, never saw it, watched it, blew me away. And I'm like, why? Well, you know, it's, I get blown away all the time by older movies. Yeah. You know, I don't get blown away that often in the theater watching a movie for the first time. It just doesn't happen that often anymore. And, and it's annoying because I'm sitting there and I'm just like, you know, why can't these newer films? Blow me away. You want that. Yeah. You you know, like, and when I watched this film, I was like, for the first time in years, I was literally like, wow, this film is great. I am a, I'm not going to say a better person. It just, it has contributed to my life experience. (laughs) It is a, it was a, it was a great experience. That's a good way of it. It wasn't just, you know, just watching nonsense and just passing the time it was like wow i i enjoyed the film a lot um i highly i I would recommend this film if if, you know if we're doing these podcasts and we're doing these viewings for youtube guys we're doing it to tell you that either we like a film or just like a film we're both telling you we enjoyed this film go see it if you're watching this right now and if you've dealt with all these spoilers what are you doing Go see the film. Yeah. Go go watch it because we're not doing it justice. You have to go see this film. And plus, we're telling it completely out of order. Like a Tarantino yes, film. Yes, like a Tarantino <laughs> film. So please, by all means, go watch it. Enjoy it. Um, we thank you guys for not only watching, but hopefully turning it, tuning into our new podcast. Yeah. Uh, we, we hope this is going to bring in a whole new medium and a whole new audience that we haven't been able to get on YouTube. Because, yes, our videos are long because we... We go into detail. We we want to give you a flow experience. Oh, yeah. We're we're not just looking. You know, we don't have a producer that's telling us, okay, you got to keep it to twenty minutes. No, we are going longer. We are going to forty five minutes. We are going over an hour because there's so much to discuss. There's yeah. a lot to talk about, and it's hard to just keep it 
under under the, that yeah. amount of time. And the more you like a movie, the more I can tell you right now. I could probably talk about this movie for another. Half I don't know hour. how long we've been talking, but I know we've been talking over an hour, and, I, and oh, I'm sure and I'm it's well probably, over. It's probably an hour and forty. I'm going to go with an hour and forty-two minutes. Yeah, no, it's That's a long, it's, it's a long time. But I, I guarantee you right now, guys, that we're we're trying to engage the yeah. the, the viewer or the listener in, in some degree. So we want you guys to let us know what you thought of it. We, it's not just about us. We, we want to hear your thoughts, too. I uh, want you guys to be as passionate about a movie-going experience as we, as we are. Absolutely. That's, what we're, that's why we're doing this. We, we've, we've, been, we've wanted to do this for so long. We, we tried to come up with a medium that we can do this. Um, you know, having, a, having a drink while we're getting to talk about a film uh, is, is just the start. And it's just our... Our discussion, the yeah. the back and forth that we get to have about film, and how much we both enjoy it on different levels. It's like it's 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 not we don't experience the same thing. Like the way that John sees a film sometimes is very different from the way that I see a film. Sure. We don't always agree. We don't always agree, but it's it's and something we may that. Even... We may even agree to en- that we enjoyed it, but for different different, different reasons. reasons, completely different reasons, and and that's that's the whole point of doing this because art is so subjective. Yeah. We you know we want to know like we're telling you what we thought about the film, but that's just it's our opinion, it's 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 our subjective take on the on the film on the medium on the art. Like what is we want to know what yours is too, yeah. and we hope that you engage with us and and tell us what you thought and. And, and what you feel. Yeah, and this film qualifies as art. Absolutely, one hundred percent. Like, and, and Tarantino has been known to be one of those directors where you either love it, or you hate it. Um, but you know, sometimes people agree to disagree. Or so, th- let us know what you guys think about this film. And we both we both really enjoyed it. We hope you do too. I told Chris when we were getting ready to start this. I said, I said, Chris, I'm going to be. I could talk about this movie forever. He said, told me I have to rein him in. I said. Just get a taser and yeah. just bl- shot me unconscious and then and then the, and then the tape because yeah. I could I could talk. For but you. I know we've been talking a lot about this, so we're gonna end it right here. We hope you guys enjoyed this. Um, well, I'm gonna as soon as we finish taping, I'm not letting anybody down. I'm gonna have a Guinness because <laughs> <Right. laughs> I'm I'm ending my night with a Guinness. Um, There's no way. But we hope you guys enjoyed this podcast, enjoyed this view of this YouTube video, and uh, we hope to talk to you guys again soon. Yep. Okay. All um, right. All right, so that's about it. Enjoy the rest of the night, guys. Take care. Take care. Enjoy. Cheers.